Welcome to What's Your Real, a podcast where we interview with industry-leading creatives to learn their story about who they are, how they got there, and where they want to go. We invite you to join us on the journey as we roll their reel to learn how these creatives are finding their way to success. Today, we're sitting down with my old film teacher from high school. Preska is the man. I absolutely love this guy. Haven't had the opportunity to sit and talk with him since high school, basically. Um, And that was now almost four years ago, which is unbelievable. But um, just what a great guy and what a great conversation. Talked about some past students uh, that he's had and where they've gone, but also his whole story about um, his background in photo and his background working on a farm, stuff that I just didn't know. And, and you probably wouldn't know about your high school film teacher, you know? So it was just an awesome opportunity to learn more about him. Um, also the, the path that he took as a teacher. I mean, this is his passion and, and his reason behind his passion for teaching is not what you would expect. Um, but it's also really encouraging and really cool. And with that, let's welcome Tom Preska to the show. Did you grow up in Vermont? No. Really? Really. Okay, I don't know anything about you. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you grow up? I grew up in uh, uh, Bethlehem, New York, Delmar, specifically Bethlehem's a town, uh, right south of Albany, New York. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. How'd you find yourself here? Um, I wanted to be away from my family. And this was a really nice area that was three hours or so from my parents. Um, So uh, it was enough separation that I could come up and not be called back home on every whim. Uh, We can go into that a little further if you want (laughs) the the specifics of my upbringing. But um, uh, I grew up on a farm and I grew up on a farm basically in a town probably a little more developed than Essex. So all of my friends were, um, you know, their parents were lawyers, uh, doctors, etc. And my dad was a school bus driver and my mom was a nurse and pretty blue collar upbringing. Um, and, uh, the farm was a his huge part of growing up, you know, it was my grandfather's. He, uh, it was his family's farm. He was the one that ran it um, because he didn't want to go to World War II, I found out. Hmm. So my dad's dad, all the other brothers went. They put the farm in his name so he wouldn't have to get drafted to go. He was the, the last brother that stayed and ran the family farm. Interesting. Um, my other grandfather, my mom's grandfather, he went, got shot, Purple Heart, hmm. did his thing, and came back and was you know it was, it was affected but my other grandfather just farmed and uh worked in a factory for a little bit but um that was his main deal huh dairy farming um yeah we we did some dairy farm we did a lot of hay um mm-hmm. so we were we did a lot of hay for saratoga um the farm was a dairy up until like the 60s and then my grandfather closed it went to work then retired and then they started back after he retired. Well, they always had some cows, but then they started more and my sister's dairying it right now. So it's back functional and crazy. Um, hmm. just, I mean, farms, as you know, are pro- just, they're a work suck. And, uh, so what I, when I was growing up, when I was a kid, I worked on the farm, but I also worked jobs 
So I used to ride bikes, race bikes. Um, I managed uh, two bike stores in town when I was in high school uh, <clears throat> and uh, started wrenching bikes on when I was like 14. And, uh, and then get done with that job and I'd come home and I'd get on a tractor or if I wasn't working and then I'd do school. So it was either, <laughs> you know, you were just working nonstop. So um, <clears throat> I, I, you know, I was looking for places to, to live that I could be away from that because if I was in Albany anywhere close, the phone would ring. It'd be my mom, your dad's doing something, you know, like you got to come help, you know? Mm. And it's just, I, I, you can't do your own thing, you know, and, and devote time to your own thing when all of your time is going to raising cows and baling hay and building barns. And, you know, if that's your thing, which was my dad's thing, which was my grandfather's thing, awesome it's not my thing because there's not a ton of money in it not that i'm looking for like a lot of money but mm. you need s to survive and <laughs> have a family and you, right. know, and a, you know 150 acre family farm just isn't doing that these days and mm. you know unless you're pulling in wedding revenue you know exactly. like you know yeah. you have to yep. you know i mean you yep. have cbd all the whole the whole nine yards and and it just wasn't, you know. So if I stayed local in Albany, it would have it would have been bad, you know. I mean, it would for me, right? You know, it'd be good for my family because they get free labor. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, free right. part would be the problem for you. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, right, right. Um, when how old were you when you moved here? Um, I moved here right out of college. Okay. I went to SUNY Albany, Albany, New York. Um, so. I don't know, 21, 22, I moved. Yeah. Um, and uh, going back like to college, I, I didn't really know what I was going to do out of high school. You know, I, I took a lot of AP classes. I was really heavy in the sciences. Um, not so good in math. Um, but I also took a lot of art classes, but trying to mix the two, was really hard. I took AP art my senior year and I couldn't, I didn't have enough work for a portfolio because I could only really take one class of art a year <laughs> because I was taking college prep stuff. I mean, all the other mm -hmm. kids were taking four or five art classes and you yeah. know, whatever basic English or whatever they wanted to do. And so they had these huge portfolios and you know i took art one drawing and painting and just one class a year and i wasn't able to really put together the 50 pieces or whatever they needed by the time i was a senior and i didn't really get serious about it until i was like a junior was when i was really thinking about art so you know i went to college not really sure always wanting to do art stuff because i always build you know we had shops in you know my house we had wood we had saws we you know we were always building and creating and so art was kind of the transition for me to um you know to use the skills that i knew from from farming and from home into something that you know these people that i grew up with who i wasn't really part of their world these lawyers these doctors kids you know they could kind of say oh you're a good painter you're a good drawer you're, you know what i mean that my parents have drawing you know they value that stuff where they don't value a dairy farmer you know mm -hmm. and, and, and and um so that was kind of my crossover to being like well i have you know some of these skills that i really like because I can build and I can make, um, you know, took drafting, took, um, you know, a lot of drawing classes, you know, figure drawing, all, all sorts of stuff, just, you know, just to work with my hands and to, and to, to, to create, 
you know, and, and that's what I want to do. So I went to college, not really sure. And everybody was like, well, if you go into art, you're not going to make any money. Mm. You know, that was the whole thing. You're not going to make any money. You're not, you're not, you're not going to have a career. You're not going to be able to provide, you know? And it's like, well, shit, (laughs) I could live on the farm and not make any money. (laughs) (laughs) Or I could go into art and I could not make any money. Well, what can I do? But um, so when I decided to to go all into art and I I took a year in college where I was taking like sciences and stuff I was taking in high school because that's what you took, you know, like when, when I went to high school, it's like you took the classes that were the highest that were, you know, demanding the highest of you. You know, I really loved history. So I was taking AP American, AP European, my friends who, you know, lawyers and doctors, sons were, were all taking those classes, you know? So I was like, Oh, I got to be in those classes. And, you know, I'm just as smart as they are. So, um, so I take those classes and, and I went to, you know, I went to college and I, well, maybe I'll do something with science. Maybe I'll do something with this. And the, but I always really wanted to do art. I always really wanted to make. So getting to school and realizing that, you know, just sitting in class all day and not creating was a huge problem for me. You know, at least in school, in high school, I have one period of art or something where I could use my hands. And I didn't realize until I got to college, like how much that was important like how much that that was such a piece of me that i couldn't just let that sit for even a year you know i needed a shop i needed a studio i needed something um to create with so um so like my junior year or my sophomore year of college i was like i'm not doing i'm going straight for art so um when i did that i was like well how am i gonna get a job so I was like, well, if I go to art, I'm going to be an art teacher. I always had really great art teachers in school. I was always really um, impressed by them. Um, they were, the art rooms were always like safe, fun spaces that were separate from, you know, kind of the academic spaces where you're always getting judged and you're always, I mean, it's great and you're always very competitive and I'm a very competitive person, but um, you know, it's, it's something soothing about an art room where it's like, what can you do? Not like, what can you kind of absorb and, <laughs> and spit back out? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I decided to go into teaching. So where I was at SUNY Albany, it was like, they, they didn't have an undergrad teaching art program. So they just had studio. So I was like, ah, well, I'm going to take as much as I can. So I took, you know, yeah, printmaking. I took clay classes. I took... Uh, painting. I took photography. I took digital. I, I, well, whatever digital was back then. It was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I was. I was seriously. I had Photoshop like one or Photoshop two. <laughs> wow. Seriously, it was. Like, it was like coming up with right. with this stuff, and I bought it on my own, and you know, was using it before even they were giving classes. So, um, so I took a really wide survey, knowing that I was going to go back and get a master's in education, so I could teach. Um, so. So, uh, you know, I took a lot of classes. I, the best teachers at SUNY Albany were painting teachers. They were straight from New York City. They'd come up, they'd have an apartment in, in Albany, and they'd take the train up, teach for two days, and then go back to the city. So, you know, they're working painters, professors, um, you know, photographers. So, you know, being like I did in high school, I just kind of gravitated towards the painters because they were kind of the dudes, you know, the sure. women, the, the people that were doing the, the, 
you know, the heavy work, you know, one of my painting teachers is, um, was best friends with Chuck close and his, his portraits in the, in the Met, <laughs> like of the, uh, of the teacher, like Chuck close painted them. And <laughs> like, so, you know, they had, they had some really quality staff. So, um, I did a lot of that and then I started doing a lot of photo. Um, and I, you know, I didn't really do a lot of photo in high school. I did mostly drawing painting, but I fell in love with it in college. And I had a friend, my friend's dad, uh, was an architect, but before he became an architect, he was a photographer and he had a dark room in his house. And so from like my sophomore year till my senior year, I was basically lived in the, this guy's basement. You know, he had his own custom dark room and uh, just did all my own photo work if I wasn't at school doing photo work. So it was, you know, it was it was just kind of this, wow, I can kind of do what I want to do. I really love this. I really love that. Just trying all this stuff with the overarching goal of becoming an educator at some point hmm. because you know, I like dealing with kids um, and I like teaching, you know, and and. and the interesting part of it was like my dad, I believe he's just not a great teacher. You know, it's like, he was very specific. He was an, he's an only child. Um, and you know, he wants things done his way and he was just not good about articulating like how you do things. So I think that really pushed me into education. Cause I, I realized too, as a young age, I'm like, wow, there, you know, there's a lot to learning how to do stuff and teaching. Um, so that's where that came from. So I have, so that was my SUNY Albany experience. Um, it was nice. It was cheap. Um, you know, state schools in New York are much cheaper than state schools in Vermont because we actually have people in the state um, to defer the tax costs. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's like there's probably as many people in round Albany as there are probably more than there is in the whole state So hmm. of Vermont. So, yeah. you know, it, it's, such a, it's such a shame for Vermont kids because – you know, I think my tuition was $2,000 or something, either a year or a semester. I don't know. I just remember paying it out of my checkbook. Wow. <laughs> you know, yeah. instead of... It hurt a little, but it was done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You know, compared to, you know, I see kids now, $100,000. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, that's yeah, absurd. 20 grand a year is pretty typical. Well, and, and you, you see people going to school for like ed elementary ed or something like that and it's like going to these fifty thousand dollars a year schools and it's like, right let's do the math here that doesn't <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't work it literally doesn't work um so that's interesting so you actually didn't even pick up a camera until college really not really or into no, high school yeah i mean, into high school probably but huh. not so really. you were more the art the arched side yeah before and, you were the filmmaking side and and early side. too I, I i like to do a lot of woodwork too so i did a i did a bunch of that as well i really like sculpture kind of those type of things um but yeah it's it was it was basically in probably sophomore year of college where i like really um got into photo took hmm. a photo one class got into the dark room and, and you know cameras flashes all this it was just it was nice wow but it was darkroom. It wasn't digital. And oh, wow. Yeah. And that I was don't know that a world crazy transition to digital. Yeah. I, I mean, can't even imagine. I, I mean, well, it was, it was, eh. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just, I mean, obviously learning the camera is learning the camera and that's, but the process of digital was so, or process of, of darkroom was so much part of that art 
mm-hmm. everybody was like hanging on to for so many mm-hmm. years and uh and it you know we're moving away far far away from <laughs> that now and but people still you know they they do their their darkroom work but i mean that was it you know like a right. nice print was a nice print and it wasn't mod you know there was um but yeah that's interesting but but yeah the the switch from from film because it was just so painful because film cameras were so good hmm. at the end of their reign hmm. you know you get a nikon pro film camera and it was you know the meters were amazing and the you know but it was still shooting film but it was like you know shooting eight frames a second and it was focusing really fast and oh, it was wow. doing all that and then you get this whatever their digital camera was <laughs> and it was like twenty eight thousand dollars and it would cool. shoot like two frames a second and it would shoot like a photo that was tiny and you know mm. <laughs> and yeah, so the a lot tra- of catching up to do <laughs> yeah the transition was insane because <laughs> because the film cameras were basically like shooting with the dslr now right you know they were they were really good they weren't really archaic you know they're all motor drives they were all autofocus you mm. know it's just they weren't shooting on a sensor they were shooting on on that so it took me a long time because I, I didn't have a lot of money so i mean i shot on film a long time just waiting for the digital stuff to to mature hmm. and come to somewhat of a cost you know because i didn't really work for when doing photo work i freelanced a lot i didn't work for anybody so like the newspapers had the nice digital rigs and, right you know like but myself i just had whatever i could afford which you know as a post-college student with an arts degree moving to vermont without really any family support so what's interesting for me in film is i've never done any darkroom stuff yeah however i toyed around a couple of years ago shooting on film and it was like kind of eye-opening just yeah. like and this is like my very very little knowledge of film yeah. um but when i I always edit with like Kodak presets yep. for digital, right? Yeah, yeah. So I went out and got Kodak Gold 200. Yeah. Because that's the preset I always use film. Yeah. And it just comes out and it's Kodak, it's Kodak Gold 2. I was like, this is amazing. Because it does, it's yeah. like, Your I was are done. Yeah, no, I just couldn't, I it like didn't click until I actually did it. That I'm like, the film is what made, like does mm. the work. Yeah. Oh, it was so cool, man. It was so cool. But yeah, there's, 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 a, there was no fixing stuff. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, you can, you can use the enlarger to make it brighter or darker. Or, you know, like not uh, dodge or burn an area, but yeah, mm. before Photoshop, and then even with Photoshop for the first bunch of years, is like, all right, well, you had to scan this film in. Well, that was wicked expensive because mm. nobody had like film scan, you know. Yeah, like, right, or, you know, people are putting them on flatbeds that weren't made to do the resolution. So, you know, just things were, were so pricey. Um, and then you get it into Photoshop and, you know, you couldn't even get it into Photoshop. You had to have zip disks, which were these big disks because there was no USB. There was no nothing. So everybody used zip disks, which are these 100 megabyte big disks. So you had to have a separate, like, kind of floppy for this zip <laughs> disk. Um so yeah, there was a lot of kind of barriers cost-wise to that digital stuff and and it was painful, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. to, like to use. So I think senior year of high of college I was I remember doing like scanning in photos. 
having to go to like the local Kodak, what they call Q shops. I don't remember which one in Burlington is, but they were like the high end shops and having them like scan my photos and burn them to a CD Hmm. and it was 50 bucks or something. And then combining them all in Photoshop by, you know, putting them together into one photo and then have it printed back at the Q shop for another 30 bucks or something like that. And back then, that was a lot of money. Right, right. Yeah, that's a different world. <laughs> Making six bucks an hour or something. Yeah, you know? that's crazy. Um, that's a different world, man. Yeah. That was a different world. My experience with uh, with films I did, uh, I guess it was one semester in high school, we made a pinhole camera out of an yeah. oatmeal jar, and then we, we actually got to develop it like in the pants, stuff in the dark room. So that was kind of, kind of fun. And yeah, if it wasn't good, you had to go out to the parking lot and take another whatever 10 second exposure out of your oatmeal container and try again. Yeah. We still do that. We do. I do that with photo one. The kids love that, you know, going back to the old process and paper and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I just don't know that world. (laughs) I just don't know that world. It's okay. It's all right. Yeah. I only shoot digital. Anyway, um, (laughs) digital is a different world than it was then too. Yeah. Yeah. True. And it's, so much cheaper but it's so expensive um yeah i mean it doesn't change they they charge as much as like you can afford basically isn't it exactly yeah and that'll probably always be the case but um so you said you were going to get your master's in education yep so that happened yeah i went to st mike's um i moved to vermont and i looked up st mike's program uh which i've heard really a lot of good things about and I had to do a year. They said you had to have experience with teaching. Well, I didn't have any experience like around kids or anything like that. I mean, I was captain of my lacrosse team, which usually involved yelling at other kids. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so I, I did um, some IA work around Burlington, in, in Burlington schools. And that was eye-opening. I did a year uh, as an special, uh, intensive special needs kind of one-on-one um, and so that really kind of, uh, taught me a lot, you know, about what kids are going through. I and mean, we were in, I was, I was teaching in Hunt in the North End and, you know, it was, it was rough. I mean, there was a lot of, you get to see the bad side of it a lot. You know, the kids are neglected. Um, the, you know, the parents are just horrendous and, you're trying to give these kids this spot of safety, you know, that you, which now with this COVID era is not happening. You know, you have these kids who are, you know, being basically held hostage in their house, you know, like, yeah, trapped at home you know, with a bad they, family and yeah. with a bad family with a you know drunk dad or mom or abusive and, and um, just not taking care of them. We don't know if they're getting fed, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's a lot of, safety for those kids in school to try to, to try to break that cycle, you know, cause you see it, it just like, if it happens to them, it's like so much more able to happen again. It's, you just gotta be good parents to your kids and the world to be a better place, you know, <laughs> <laughs> compared to, but yeah, it's a, it's a hard thing. So, so I did a year in Burlington, um, and got that under my belt. I probably didn't need to after the year. And I mean, it was, it was a painful year. I mean, I subletted a room in Burlington. My check from, um, from hunt was $148 a week because they didn't have any of the IAs or any of that weren't in the union or anything like that. So it was just like, 
nothing nothing and it was yeah. like basically they they wanted you to volunteer you know it was like yeah. me and all of these 70 year old women who's you know house not housewives but they're retirees yeah, just right. like working with with kids who you know didn't need money they just were there so um i started working with like the north end youth center i was teaching photo in the hunt dark room so we did i did a bunch of after school programs i did a word working program um and I started coaching at Essex. So I saw a lacrosse position in Essex. Um, so at 22 years old, I was coaching 18-year-olds <laughs> or 17-year-olds <laughs> wow. at Essex High School. Um, and that it's funny because you look at Facebook now, some of the kids, like, I mean, they're just as old as I am. They're 40, yeah, right. 40 years old, you know. <laughs> but uh, the... Uh, the, so I started coaching at Essex, and that's where I kind of got my foot in the Essex door. Hmm. Um, Holy crap, you've been there a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm 45 this year, so yeah. it's like 23 years. I've been teaching. Uh, this is my 18th year teaching at Essex. I taught two years at South Burlington before that. Wow. So it's been a little bit. I find that really cool, though, that, you know, a lot of just how you – how your mindset is towards teaching because it's not about photo no it's not about video it's not even no. about art yeah you said earlier that you you liked dealing with kids yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, in college you knew that and wanted uh, to get into that yeah i mean i i just you know adults I, and that's the worst part of teaching usually is the adults i mean adults all have their agendas mm. And they all have the stuff. And it's like, it, a lot of it doesn't really even have to do with the kids, you know? Like, mm -hmm. and so, um, you know, I've had, you know, not some not great interactions with kids, but I've had way worse interactions with other adults, you know, yeah. who think, I don't know, you know, and it's like, just be chill, you know, we're all, <laughs> we're all here for the same, you know, like we're supposedly the same purpose, you know, but right. people get in their fiefdoms and they get in this whole, um, kind of thing. And, for me, that's that's a tough part of it. You know, you really need to take the politics out of it, and that depends on leadership. And sometimes you don't have the greatest leadership, or you don't. I don't know. Thing, and it just seems like with any organization or something like people start pitting themselves against each other instead mm -hmm. of like just thinking about you know like we're all here together. You know, we're yeah, all trying sure. to make the best kid. It's not your art program versus your music program or your art program versus your tech end yeah, program or what, you know what i mean yeah, like right. it, it turns everybody turns and wants to turn it into like enemies and stuff and it's just not it's not the case even though sometimes it happens that way where you know you're teaching electives and all of a sudden kids sign up for your electives instead of other electives then it becomes mm -hmm. an issue you know but uh yeah i mean i liked i like dealing with kids um just just because of the energy you know they're still kind of malleable they're still that you know there's a lot there's a lot to be said for you know teaching a kid tools and then watching them kind of use those tools and i mean, see it in my own kids now it's like you teach them you know how to build stuff for you teaching it's like and then they're doing it on their own it's like holy cow that's like the most amazing thing you know it's mm -hmm. the same thing teaching a camera and then seeing kids at you seeing all these other people just actually just going and doing it you yeah. know and doing it well and it's it's really really rewarding and and i latched on to that early you know like i knew i liked teaching and you know it's it's very 
it's kind of something to give, but it's also, it really gives back to you. <laughs> you know, sure. it really, um, it feels good as a profession to be building people. You know, that's my, you know, it's my stock and trade is, you know, building people, which is cool. Yeah, it's very cool. That's really cool. When you jumped to Essex, were you an art teacher or were you the photo video AV guy? Oh yeah. Yeah. That was crazy. That's a good story. <laughs> so, <Glad I> asked. <laughs> so at SB, so I had my first job, I, uh, I interviewed at SB for an art teacher position mm -hmm. and it was part-time and it was half at the high school, half at the middle school, probably like three quarters of an art teacher or whatever. So, um, so I taught photo, I taught painting or art one or something. Um, and I taught like seventh, sixth, seventh and eighth grade art, which was crazy. I'll never teach middle <laughs> school again. Yeah. Right? Yep. Kids were like gluing, like hot, hot gluing, like, um, paint to the wall. And I mean, you just couldn't turn your back on them. And, you know, you, I mean, not much different than high school, but you know, just crazy mischievous. And, um, so, uh, so I did that for a year and I got riffed the pink slip of, uh, all starting teachers, uh, doom. Um, so I lost that position because you got what rift, rift reduction in force. So it means you're not fired. It just means that your position is no longer there. <laughs> okay. You've been eliminated. Uh, you've been eliminated. Yeah. So yeah. what happened, what happened was it was crazy. It was that the, there was an art teacher in the elementary school. It wasn't even an art teacher. There was um, a kindergarten teacher, I believe, in the elementary school who was also art certified. And they didn't have enough ki kids for enough kindergartens. So she got bumped into the elementary art position. The elementary art position got bumped into my position. My position got bumped. I was first year in, first year out, you know, like whatever. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, so... First job, South Burlington, great district, enjoying it well, most of the time. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and then, you know, you get your pink slip at the end of the year saying, okay, now you got to do this again. You know, so mm -hmm. you got to go through and look. And it's like, oh, where am I going to interview, you know, in Vermont for art teaching positions? Because, you know, one, I have very little experience. <laughs> um, and you have a lot of amazing artists in Vermont, especially yeah. for like part-time art positions. If somebody's going to take you know, two or three classes, you have, you know, separate fields and you have all these people that you're like, wow, you know, the working artists who have been working forever. Um, but so I interviewed around and then South Burlington called back and they were like, you know, you're good with photo. We know that. And uh, we have a position for you in their imaging lab if you want it. And, you know, I did digital, but I never really did any video. So, mm -hmm. I mean, other than I don't even know even the basic video. I probably didn't even do anything because it was, well, we did. Growing up, we we made videos. My buddies, we had video cam. I didn't have one. They had them. They were expensive VHS tapes, deck to deck editing. I mean, it was really, really hard. And hmm. they had a video class in my high school, but it was impossible to get into. It was like one class, you know, during some certain time. And uh, so... So they hired me back at SB in the imaging lab, which was doing 3D animation and some video, uh, mostly animation video. And um, then I just did photo. 
So I, you know, didn't really know anything about 3D animation, though I did a lot of drafting when I was in high school. I took a lot of mechanical drafting and all that and I knew Photoshop. So I just learned as I went along, I uh, just picked up books and, you know, the YouTube wasn't huge then. So mm-hmm. it was just books and videos on books and, you know, in the back of the DVDs. And I taught myself with help of uh, Mike DuPont, who was um, like the the aide there. They had like a teaching assistant. So he helped me a little bit. Mostly it was just, you know, hitting the ground running and learning on my own, which was fine because I was used to that. Um, oh, yeah, and I had to do web design too. I had to teach web design, so I had to learn web design as well. It was a fun year. Uh, <laughs> I was a little busy. Thank yeah, God. I was bit. like, <laughs> yeah, I was like twenty four or something. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, right. like, inter- now I'd be like, I quit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> take four different disciplines and learn them while you're trying to teach them. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, no. So I got hired back there in 3ds doing doing 3ds Max, a lot of animation stuff, which then led into more video and uh, the position at Essex, which I student taught at Essex with, with Julian and Wendy. And, uh, so I knew about the video position at Essex. I knew about Vic Loya, who was the me before me. And, uh, and so I'd met with him. I've talked to him and, and so his position opened up and I applied for that and luckily got it. And I've been at Essex ever since. Hmm. So I guess the original question was, where was I? But so, the video position because Vic didn't have an art license was a tech ed position. Hmm. Interesting. Yes. That so, interesting. so it was, it was <laughs> an issue. So I was in the practical arts. So I was teaching web design photo was still under the arts. So they wouldn't let me teach photo, which was like my passion. The whole reason. I was doing <laughs> all <that>. Of course. <laughs> but Wendy and, and, um, it was, it was mostly Wendy was an you know, amazing teacher and Wendy James, she was awesome. So, I mean, there wasn't like, they needed me there to, <laughs> to teach the kids anymore. Hmm. But um, so I taught, what did I teach? I taught building design one year. That was fun. Um, but mostly computer animation and video production was, hmm. was, was, was what I started teaching there. And with some random classes thrown in sometimes if my schedule wasn't full. But that was back when Essex was 1,600 kids. Hmm. So all the classes were half year. So I would teach, you know, six animations or something first half of the year and then teach movie or whatever. So animation was the big class back then. It wasn't video. It was this oh, wow. pre-YouTube, you know. It oh, was, yeah. You know, so oh. Huh. so That's video wasn't like this big thing. So everybody wanted to do animation because you couldn't do animation at home. Oh, Yeah. You know, um, and I guess you couldn't do really do a lot of video at home, but you know, there was iMovie and there was like basic, you know, sure, you it was could, there, yeah, yeah, it was there. But, um, so animation was the big draw. So we were, we were teaching a ton of animation. Our, our video stuff was wicked limited. Vic, um, was more live production. So there was like a mixer and like a couple studio cameras in the studio, but they hadn't used it. The principal would do like video uh, talks to the school, like through the the school had TVs in every room and he would come on Friday morning or something like that and do video um, talks. But um, it was mostly graphics and animation was what was driving that lab, the smart lab. Hmm. And then it, 
kind of all changed and the, the animation numbers went way down and the video numbers just went way, way, way up. You said back when Essex was 1600, what, what yeah. are we at now? 1200 oh okay i mean it was crazy you couldn't move through the halls i mean that's the so same weird. building and that's 1600 ehs plus the tech center oh wow. or whatever, you know so yeah. there were a ton of kids and they're you know again like i teach i teach full year classes now because you know we with movie you used to be able to fill like a half year movie one like two of them and now we can fill one mm. so we went to full year classes just so we could save kind of positions um and video half year video is useless yeah you know? so <laughs> sure um half year a lot of things are hard to do with the arts but um but yeah video it's like in, in photo in some ways too you um you just well not so much now but back in the day is like you just barely get them developing their first roll of film and that would, that would be december or you know, yep, class is done. <laughs> right, right. It's so hard, you know, like started, yeah. shooting, exposing, learning the camera, and then so that's what it would end up. Hmm. You know, you said there's uh, a big shift between animation and video. Was that just because the technology was getting better, so students' interest changed? I really, I don't know. I mean, I think the technology was getting ex more accessible. Um, I think with the web and some of that stuff coming along, it, you know, it, it became easier to edit. I think iMovie, I just think, you know, consumer or not consumer, but yeah, I guess consumer video was, it was a lot more accessible than it was in the past. Um, but it's still hard, you know, like we had, when I got there, we had 16 computers and they were, he bought like these, Kai Vision, I don't know, some like very specific video computers and they were like $5,000 a piece and it was, and they had 20 gigabyte hard drives. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> and they, only four of them worked to capture video. Um, so they all had these like capture cards because you had to, you had your like mini DV cameras and you had to plug them in. Firewire. Firewire. You had to, you had, <laughs> yeah. you, you, so you had, it was real time. So the kid would go shoot something and they have to sit there and record it onto the camera. Well, only four of my cameras work. So <laughs> this was like my first year. Wow. And so I'm there and I'm like, all right, so I got four, four, four computers. I got 16, probably like 20 kids knowing the school, you know, you just 16 computers. We'll put 30 kids in your class. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that Cause right. that, that'll work. Yeah. Um, but no, it was probably 16 kids, but I only had four working computers and, and, um, they, um, so I went to it and I'm like, what am I going to do here? I'm like, none of these work. And they weren't Dells or they weren't anything. They were these like specific video things that were having all these codec issues that the it guys didn't know what the heck to do with. So I went to the head of it and I'm like, help me. And he's like, well, maybe you shouldn't name your class movie production. <laughs> what <laughs> i'm like that's uh, you know so this is my first year like <laughs> second semester i did animation for like trying to figure out like how i'm gonna do a movie production class with four computers and you know so mm -hmm. but we ended up getting rid of those very quickly i think within the next year or something and getting something that sort of worked you know mm -hmm. but even then it was storage was a big problem and you know the hard drives were really small and trying to do video and ram and all that even with sd video it was it was taxing the computers to run anything that's so weird um, to think about yeah <laughs> <laughs> wow 
Um, so it was, it was definitely an interesting thing, but, but yeah. Dang. So Essex turned into like the, the, the movie school of Vermont though. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean like literally, I yeah. mean the, the, the freaking smart lab as I knew it was unbelievable. Yeah. I never realized how unbelievable it was until I graduated. Yeah. Of course. And it, know, it, of course I don't use it while it, I'm there. <laughs> you, you guys, well, you guys had a really, you know, some really amazing kids too. And I feel like in some ways it's kind of slumping, which is, which is really sad. <laughs> Um, yeah. Um, and, and I mean, not through no fault of anybody's own, but it's like, we had a lot of kids who were really interested in going to like devoting their lives to video. Yeah. And right now we have a lot of kids who are, you know, sort of interested in video, but they're not like going to film school or they're not, mm-hmm. you know, they're, that's not their path. So it makes it really hard, um, to be, you know, we, we were, <laughs> we were at such a high bar. Um, but without the kids that are kind of devoted to that, it, it, you know, you can only do so much, you know, like if a kid doesn't want to learn how to pull focus or whatever, you know, right, make a yeah. cool shot. It's like, you you can't sell them on it. There has to be this intrinsic, you know, want for these kids. And, um, I just see that that's kind of over the past couple of years, it just seems like it's kind of going down the, the, the fire, you know, like the kids that, you know, really love photo video or that really, and they really want to dedicate themselves to anything. You know, I think that, I don't know if it's the internet or everything, like pulling everybody in every different direction, but, um, it's, I don't know. I just definitely, I mean, I feel like I'm the old cranky teacher saying like back in the day, (laughs) but but (laughs) no, it's really interesting though, as you're seeing the next generation of kids coming up and being affected by the internet and whatnot. And maybe that is changing the way they're perceiving some of these, skills and hobbies and interests well and i wonder if it's a shift too from kids that are were normally watching movies Mm. and higher production obviously kids still watch a ton of movies but they watch more youtube stars they watch more you know cleese mcfarland and you know like where they can identify more with these just average people with a gopro Mm. you know and rather than you can't really identify more with right now with making the Avengers, yeah, you right. know what I mean? Like, yeah, the crawl, right. you know, it's like, it's insane. A bit of a jump there. Right? Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. Exactly. Like the, the entry to, to level, you know, entry to that, even like, you know, old school star Wars and stuff. It's like, you kind of, you can get it. It's yeah, that's a little bit tech, but now with all of the animation and, Oh, we're just going to replace all the skies in this movie. You know, we're just, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It just, it, the, the amount of production now, the quality is just so high. Um, that it gets away from that kind of organic filmmaking. Hmm. The, the movies that kids watch at least are, you know, super polished. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, turning it into the video. Um, so we had this awesome AV director back when I started, his name was Kevin Regan. He's back up in Vermont, but, uh, he grew up in California and he was a big video guy and, uh, his dad was in production and so he he really helped kind of turn it into a place for video because he was really passionate about video. So he would buy nice cameras. And I really didn't know what was going on at the time early in my career, but I was mm-hmm. teaching mostly animation. He's like, well, why don't we do more video? And I'm like, I don't really know anything about video. Um, and um, so it, it was one of those things where I'm like, wow, I, I really got to 
figure that out because I never had the opportunity to do video because it was so expensive and you know photos relatively right. cheap compared to compared, <laughs> when, you start, yeah, when right. you start talking video um but then I was like oh wow I mean I can look at video from a photographer's perspective it's just a camera you know yeah, when I huge. was always and that's what happened when the DSLRs hit and that's when mm -hmm. it really took off because using a video camera compared to a DSLR, I was like, what the heck? You know, you don't, yeah, you don't. don't do anything. I mean, back in the day now, like, you know, FS7, all, whatever, they're super right. photo-y. Well, I was, I was <laughs> yeah, just about yeah. to say, it's like, I'll, I'll pick up one of your video cameras and not know how to use it still. Yeah, yeah. a basic camcorder. Yeah. But like, I can pick up anything that resembles a DSLR and be fine. Yeah. Right. right. You know, so anyway. Right. So, so back when like DSLRs happened, that was when I was like, oh, this is amazing. You know, because I can familiar teach, ground, right? I can teach all the photo stuff. You know, the video stuff is you know editing, which is it's editing. It's you know, there's a lot to it, but it's not picking up um, a camcorder that doesn't give you many options. You know, and then trying to figure stuff out. I mean, a lot of filmmaking was you know the lens choices. Which mm. You get a video camera, and it's like you don't have that depth of field. You don't yeah, have right. back in the, the ones that we could afford at school. You know, like yeah. you're, you're not shooting film, you know, and you were mm. still shooting film and video. I mean, it was back in those days. And then, and then the DSLRs hit, and then it was that's when it really, really started taking off. I mean, Henny was pre DSLR, but he bought a, he had a Sony camcorder or whatever, but he just wanted to shoot skiing stuff. So, was Henny your first? dude who took it somewhere yeah I mean, and he was definitely definitely the first dude i mean he was there either the first or second year i was at essex oh wow yeah i mean it was it was a long time ago maybe the third i don't know but it was it was really really early because mm -hmm. kevin was still there he he did an independent study with me um because he took vic loya i think for a year and then he was so he took an independent study with me, and all he wanted to do was shoot skiing stuff. So um, he we had Max in the AV space, and he used Final Cut. Back then, like, Final Cut was the premiere that it is now. It was either everybody shot on, it on Avid or Final Cut. But mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so, so he went in, and he would take his ski footage, and we'd, you know, sit down and work through edits. And, you know, one time he came in, and he had – he had this shot where he was filming while he's skiing. He's skiing, filming someone yeah. else. Yeah. And this guy, he's following Cam and him. Guy goes off a jump, and he goes underneath the back of the jump, catches him up in the air, and then lands, and he turns around. I'm just like, oh, my God. It was just, it was just like, <laughs> I was like, all right, he's going to be you know, like a, a skiing videographer. They're just like, I don't even, I can't even comprehend what he just did. Wow. You know, like, yeah. you know, on, on skis while filming. That's so cool. And um, so I only had Henny for like a year or like, I mean, it might have been his senior year. Um, and then he went off to some college and still shooting video. And then he, he got an opportunity to interview Alex Honnold. And it was one of Honnold's first videos that um, kind of documented him a little bit. And, um, and that's what really got him on the map. Mm -hmm. So he, he shot Alex back in the day. I mean, he, and Henny was a big new schoolers or whatever and did this little followed him, you know, in his van or whatever. And it was terrible, not terrible quality, but you know, it was like lower SD, you know, 
quality, not like now. Um, but, and that got him kind of noticed by a lot of people. Um, the Camp 4 Collective people, Jimmy Chin, like the, you know, and uh, so he worked for them for a while and went to Tibet, did all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting and you, you know, keeping in touch with him and watching him kind of meander through the life of a videographer and a freelance. I mean, it's a, it's a tough gig, you know, and he, you know, he has stuff. He was working for, um, the city of Utah or not state, state of Utah doing tourism stuff. And he's working now for O search, like doing mm -hmm. tracking sharks, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, you remember uh, that conversation? Yeah. We were Jack, talking, right? talking about Jack, that. Yeah, yeah. Jack went with him. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I'm not really sure what he's doing now. I just saw he had an RV and his mom and I don't know if they're, <laughs> they're doing something else or what, but, um, it's an interesting life, and I mean, I I look back and I go, oh, how old is he now? And you know, is he going to settle down? Is he? You know, it's, it's like the freelancer life is great when you're in your twenties, you know. Mm -hmm. But once you move beyond that, and that was something I was kind of always aware of was I didn't want to freelance, you know. Like I, I mean, I did. I worked. I shot a lot of weddings. I shot a lot of stuff. I got pictures in the New York Times. Like, you know, like doing just random work that I picked up, but you know, you needed the nine to five, <laughs> you know, like to, to move on with your life. You know, it's, it's very hard to kind of piecemeal stuff together and hope the work keeps coming in, you know. Interesting. Who was the Celtics guy? What's his name? Alex Herco. Herco. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Not Henny. It's Herco. No. Um, when did he come along? Oh God, I don't know years. My memory. Um, well, I don't yeah. need a, just a, a How old year is he now. Like twenty six. I don't know. I, <laughs> I've only met him once. So. so thirty. I don't know. He's somewhere in there. Um, <laughs> he's not that old. Um, so he was there. Um, I think we were still. We didn't do EHSPN as a class yet. It was a club for years. Really? Yeah. So this was like the Jeff Goodwin year. So Jeff Goodwin was like in between. Um, Henny and Herco and Jeff started EHSPN. He started EH, uh, intramural hockey. So mm -hmm. like two of my favorite things at EHS, he, uh, he founded, um, and he was huge in video and now he, he like builds furniture and he worked for Habitat for Humanity for years, but he went to Ithaca college on, uh, to the park school on, on a full, full scholarship. Um, but he, he spent his whole, you know, junior and senior years in the lab and, uh, and did, he started EHSPN all on his own, um, wanted a sports show, got his buddies together. They went out, they shot, um, caused all sorts of trouble, got, um, <laughs> gotten so much trouble with the administration and stuff for, <laughs> you know, it was f just jokes and, um, you know, they were asked, they asked Leo, like, what his favorite STD was. <laughs> Jack they, like, said that same thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. Jack <laughs> That was a good one. No, but it was before that. Like, they were, I mean, they just, their their color commentary was a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of questionable things. But that was all through um, Kevin, through the AV department. So I didn't get a lot of heat for that because uh, <laughs> it wasn't really my production. Um, um Jeff was doing it on his own kind of, you know, through the AV part of the library. So it wasn't a class. It wasn't anything I really had to do anything yeah. with. I was just kind of like laughing <laughs> and going like, Oh my God, you know, 
but it was video coming out of you know that area so you know i was i was somewhat involved with it but um the um so goodwin started both of those um and so when herco was there i think it was still it it wasn't a class yet so he was like student producer vhsbn he did everything you know there was like four or five kids that did it they shot games they interviewed just really into sports Mm -hmm. um max bailey around that certain time um who was really amazing videographer he's out in vancouver um and they and they just made it happen and started the club after goodwin kept the you know kept this kept well restarted it kept the club going it got shut down for a couple of years there <laughs> after goodwin left um mm. but then there was nick who started it um started it back and then it kind of herco took it from there um and and yeah so he was really into ehsbn he did movie one movie two herco did a great film called love sniper um which was classic and uh (laughs) and then he got into he wanted to do business so he went to unc for business and he did a minor in film and realized when he got out he wanted to shoot and so he kind of melded the two and he went moved to boston and he just did as much as he could to work you know and he was you know devoted himself to film and photo and the dude's smart and he's an incredibly hard worker and he did you know like school portraits he did like a year of working with that and then he got into real estate photography he did a lot of drone stuff back when drones were just starting and got noticed and he had video on um local boston tv and then i think nationally his drone video got got out um and he ended up like moving through a bunch well not bunch but like i think one real estate firm and then another and then he got poached by uh, an advertising agency and he um and and he just started applying at the celtics because he wanted to do sports because you know he was he loved sports and uh, and that was cool he um he put in his application he never heard never heard job came open and i think he put another application or he didn't or something but it was it was through like he was doing a bunch of wedding work too at the time and his wedding stuff was phenomenal like video wedding work and uh one of the guys saw the wedding work and i think maybe that was the real estate guys but that's how he ended up having that job and or no the advertising company sorry <laughs> <laughs> trying to keep track of all yeah yeah it's all good. <laughs> Cam, let me tell your life story. Um, yeah, let's do that next. <laughs> um, so, so, so he ended up getting the job, and it was like an all-day interview at the Celtics. Like, then he said it wasn't as much an interview as seeing whether or not like he could survive a day, hmm. you know, there because hmm. it's crazy at know, the Celtics. At the Celtics, because he's doing, he's not shooting like video cameras of the game. He's shooting promotional stuff. Yeah, you know, so for the web. So he'd go out and shoot stuff that would, you know, that day, edit it after the game, release it the next day, um, and then do a lot of promo stuff. So he would do a lot of Gatorade shorts with, you know, Marcus, all these things that like to work with the sponsors um, so that they would, 
um, you know, be able to monetize some of that stuff and show the value of partnering with the Celtics. So his business degree was really huge in getting that job. Hmm. And his film skills are you know, phenomenal, but um, it wasn't... I think he was kind of one of those crossovers like me where he really liked the stills and then realized that, oh, with the DSLR, it's just this kind of, <laughs> you know, hmm. I just want to gonna make great images. These are going to be moving. And, you know, like yeah. he made that transition. I mean, obviously he shot video while he was at EHS, but he wasn't, you know, that wasn't his, fo you know, his focus wasn't going to school for video for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 I think it's freaking awesome that you've had these people like go and do this stuff. Um, yeah. It bugs me to think about the smart lab though. Yeah. Cause it's like, and you know, should have, could have, would There are a lot of, I hated high school. Yeah, yeah. I think you know that. Yeah, sure. Most people know that I did not yeah, like yeah. high school or any school really. Um, the but, only thing I remember is the smart lab stuff. Right. And that's like, kind of the, why we do the smart lab. You yeah. know, we get kids that, you know, like a kale. For those that mm. didn't have a smart lab, go a little deeper there. Uh, that's just the video classroom. Gotcha. Yeah. A bunch of, yeah. That's, and that was Vic Loya. He named it the smart lab for some reason. Yeah. Student, it was student or student media and art or something. I don't oh, know. Oh, it was gotcha. an acronym? It was an acronym. Oh, okay. it, it wasn't <laughs> like a very good acronym either, yeah. but it's like, it <laughs> is it. what it was. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, Kale, Kale was a good, um, example of that where he came to me and, you know, he's like, what do I need to pass? Hmm. He didn't like academic, not that you didn't like academic, but he just he didn't like the academic piece of anything at all. Yeah. And he just wanted to know, what do I have to hand in to pass? He'd create these amazing videos. Yeah, he would do stuff all the time. But wouldn't like do the, do, right, uh, do the, the stuff minimum, that like yeah. Yeah, that would like get him passing in the class. Um, and <laughs> there's a lot of. I mean, he's yeah. pumping out more stuff than anybody, <laughs> right, but it wasn't right, the assignments. Right, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, and 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 that's fine, you know. And so trying to make this place that was, you know, because I get it. You know, I was kind of an outside kid, you know, outsider to that. My parents didn't care. I mean, I was advanced ever since I was, you know, kindergarten. You know, they're like, you test as a fifth grader, whatever, you know, when I was in kindergarten. So I was in, like, in, they tracked us when we were, like, younger. So I was in a school of, you know, like, I, w I was always in advanced classes. And if it was, I was in a three, four, I was, like, one of the two third graders in a fourth grade class or whatever mm -hmm. as I went up through. So they, they got, they got, like, really hands off with me and... Um, so when I got to high school, it was just kind of, you figure it out, you know, like, and everywhere I really needed some guidance rather than, you know, you go do your smart, you know, yeah, you right, figure it right. out. But, but I was always an outsider in that way. And I think like a lot of people, that's not where they, they thrive, you know, high yeah. school is not where they thrive. So trying to create a place where, you know, it, it helps kids that, you know, need it, need somewhere that's reasonably academic but also allows them to you know work with their energies yeah having you sit across the table from me is very strange yeah just so you know <laughs> I, I haven't thought about high school this much <laughs> since high school probably because i'm just thinking right now it's like i'd be going into my senior year of college right now yeah which is mind-blowing yeah but i think about high school and like what kills me i like you know shoulda coulda woulda I wish I knew what I knew now. 
yeah in high school oh yeah because it's like if i and and honestly that's a work ethic piece because school is very much like like i never did bad in school right really you know i, I passed completely fine i think i was like point one from honor society when i graduated right. or something like that because i just did the work yeah and in high school if you just do it then you're probably going to be okay right you know um but i didn't want to ever do anything extra right and then when i started working on mansfield you yeah. know the production company as, as a junior yeah that crushed all hopes of doing anything extra in school yeah um because all of a sudden I went to work every day yeah, after but, school, and it, it well, okay, that is extra though. I That's know, but, <laughs> but I think about I think about high school, and it's just like, oh man, the opportunities. Like, I still think some of my best work came out of high school. Yeah, the first fifty we did. Yeah, we, we, it, why do you think that is? Maybe it's not the best, but it's my favorite project I've ever yeah. done. I mean, it was freaking awesome. Yeah, Night of the Living Dead is by far the craziest thing. Yeah, that was. Oh amazing. yeah, that was great too. Just for this little project. Oh, and I thought it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a blast. That yeah. was, Night of the Living. Oh yeah, Night of the Living Dead was. That was only the first scene. The first of the movie. scene, yeah. Well, the first, yeah. Night of the Living Dead, and then first we did. Couple. We did the one with the puppet. Yeah. That one's still a favorite of mine, but I, I can't watch it anymore because it's too cringy. But yeah, yeah. at the time, I was so stoked on it. And then, well, the lighting and everything was really amazing. And I mean, just all like by accident. above and beyond. <laughs> by the way, yeah, yeah. I remember the well, best. You lit stuff, <laughs> Bro, Yeah, like I put, I used light. <laughs> yes, but I remember uh, my favorite lit. The be, like my favorite part of that is when I don't know if you remember this when Tommy is getting text messages on the bed and it's lit by a practical yeah and it's all like color graded really cool and all yeah. this stuff but it's like the color grade was I forgot to set the white balance in camera <laughs> yeah. and it was super cold but it yeah. worked so beautifully yeah. now that I look back at it I'm like man that was so <laughs> awesome but it wasn't on purpose yeah. but and then um of course the Haiti film came out of high yeah. school which is yeah. changed my course for the last four years yep but. I, well, okay, so actually, I haven't thought about it that way. The Haiti film was definitely above and beyond a little bit, but um, <laughs> yeah, the, I don't know if you remember full. this. The The last year, I didn't do EHSPN. Right. I did movie. Right. And I did that consciously, not yep. because I didn't want to do more work. I did that because I was like, I want to make movies. Right. And I hated shooting sports. Yeah. And now I'm like trying to shoot sports. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But I just wish that I knew like what we had at Essex. You use the heck out of it, though. I mean, really. Not as a senior. Yeah, not, senior a, not as a senior, but man, you were, I mean, you were doing Mount Mansfield Media. You know, right. you were doing, you You took it what you needed to do. I don't, I don't regret, I wouldn't regret anything that you did in high school as far as not um, suiting you. I think you knew what you needed to do rather than so. like what, sometimes it's like I ask EHSPN, I ask from the kids to provide this to the school. You know, and it's like you being one of my better shooters. It's like, why aren't you doing EHSBN? Because your shots will be amazing in this program. It's like, sure. that doesn't matter to you. Right. If you're interested in making film or making doc at that yeah. time, that, it's, I mean, it's just more, pra it's, it's, well, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. but, but it, it's more practice for you, but it's also just another thing, you know, like you're working at my master, you're doing, you're, your plate was full, you know, and it's like, I, I, so. I recognize that, you know, it's like you yeah, you're it's not like in the sports. It's, yeah. well, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is, you know? And, and, um, you can only do as much as you can do, you right. know? And, and you, you start picking and biting off more than you can chew and, and just the work waters down, you know? And yeah. like, you, you, you know, you, you, you can just do so much. And honestly, what it is now is like, 
I wish I pursued relationships with more teachers. Um, I love Norris, dude. Yeah, he's a good dude. I haven't talked to him since I had his math class, though. Yeah. But he's one. He's probably the only math class I remember, for instance. Yeah. Because he was just... he, Him and I would talk about drones, because he had a drone. Yeah. You know? And I remember I went to a high... I went... The, my first year out of high school, I went to a football game yeah. and just talked to him for a while, because he was just there. Yeah. But I think... I've changed a lot in the last four years in the sense of like, I'm just so much more interested in people. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I, I, I missed out on so many opportunities with, with those people. Well, with, you know, as a high schooler, you, everybody's interested in themselves. You know, yeah, you turn into that, true. like you're, you're coming into yourself, you know, you're not true. thinking about the other people, but I mean, our job is there to just to be there and to provide these, you know, experiences for you. And, you know, the nice ones are the ones that aren't like the classic teacher just, you know, it's like learning about Archimedes or whatever they do in math. I don't remember any of that. <laughs> yeah. I don't uh, know what know, they do. Um, <laughs> I don't think I've used it yet either. But, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, talking about drones and, and doing different, doing, you know, talking about things that, you know, are related to your life, my life, things that, um, that aren't, on the on the page is what makes it make, makes a lot of teaching you know enjoyable because um, mm. i mean i can talk about f-stops for <laughs> <laughs> yeah all day hours. right yeah right <laughs> yeah. um but no i think it's just interesting this is the first time probably since high school that i've i've missed it a little bit yeah because there was a lot of there's always, I mean, anybody, even yeah. the kids that do it the most, there's always regrets and there's, you know, yeah. like, no, but it's there's just always like, shoulda, coulda, woulda. No, I just think about the people that I, that I was with yeah. and it's like, you know, I, I bet Norris is just such a cool dude that I just don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, He's, but never would care to ask. Yeah, it's fun. We, we coach bowling together and that was Wait, fun. I love that you guys do bowling, <laughs> so, man. I mean, it I was one it. of those things where <laughs> it was some great stories there though, but like Norris, like is so amazing and so competitive like athletically he's like insane like he is just he really? practices things to death like he <laughs> he plays golf and he's probably one of the better golfers in Chittenden County but he doesn't compete because he doesn't want to be competitive in golf but he's like <laughs> super hyper competitive in like whatever you know right and uh so he coached baseball I coach lacrosse we both had kids and we're like oh we're not gonna coach anymore you know and then Hockenberry came he's like you guys want to coach bowling and, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I bowl, I bowled since I was a kid. My dad still bowls. He's crazy. He's like bowling in senior leagues at seven. He's got like a 220 average or something. Oh he's, my God. Yeah. He's, he's nuts. <laughs> so he started me when I was little, you know, and like, so, I mean, I bowled competitively in high school. Well, not in high school. Well, yeah, but in high school, I bowled competitively in middle school. I was, uh, I was a second varsity in sixth grade on our high school bowling team. Cause in New York you could compete as a high schooler yeah so i bought a big leather jacket and i put you know like a leather jacket from like football jacket and <laughs> yeah, i put right. my i put my like varsity letter oh that's awesome on there and the football players like in, in middle school got so pissed because like oh, they bet. couldn't they, they would never get play high school you know they play pop warner or something like that and they'd always wear their pop warner jacket <laughs> so i got my varsity like starter yeah. jacket in sixth seventh grade um <laughs> But, but I stopped, I stopped bowling for the school. Like when I was like eighth grade, it just was the crowd. It was not like my people and I needed to focus more on academics. And I was way more into, um, different sports. So I started running track and just, I don't know. I was like, like my sons are, I was like a bigger kid. So like bowling was a fine sport, but as I like matured, I was 
shot up and was skinnier and like more active. And I, I just wanted to do more active sports now that I could, that I wasn't like a chubby kid, you know, that I was like weighing down. But, um, so bowling, I kind of was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm done with this. I may have bowled in tournaments and stuff, but, um, so Norris started bowling. I don't know. He always liked bowling, but he started bowling with my team on Wednesday nights with the men's league team, me and Norris. And, uh, a bunch of other guys, three other guys, and it was it was interesting. I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, Norris is, is is he's very pure. He's very, um, you know, and and the bowling alley is you know blue collar as blue collar gets, and yeah, and sure. it's it is what it is. So it was an interesting experience to kind of bridge that gap because, you know, me growing up like that was my home, you know, and mm-hmm. like <laughs> like I understood everything about these guys that are you know working seal coating or whatever and <laughs> out of jail or you know like yeah. I mean it's just <laughs> <Sure>. like it <laughs> was. <laughs> but like Norris, just like watching him in the ma- interact with those people, and it was it was it was amusing. Um, so, but he got so much better at bowling because he just obsessed about it. And now he he's got like he hasn't hit three hundred yet. He's he's got like two or three, I think three two ninety nines. <laughs> like he's shot wow. like crazy, and then like comes up in the last shot with it with one short. one short. <laughs> And it's the most painful thing to watch. I, I feel so bad when I watch them. I mean, I sh- I've, I've only shot one 300, but I'm like one of the, I, you know, that was like the big thing when I was a kid. My dad's only thrown one, I think, maybe two. Um, oh, but wow. the big thing was to get your 300. But back when I, when I was bowling, the technology was so bad. Mm. that like the balls were not reactive the way they do now. So you don't get the pin carry. You don't get the scores you do now. Now the scores are way higher because the equipment is so much better. Mm. So it used to be such a crazy thing to get a 300. Only a few people you yeah. know, would be able to bowl them. Now, you know, these guys are bowling 50, 60, 70, 300s. Um, so it's kind of watered down. But so once I got my 300, I was like, oh, good. I can kind of competitively kind of yeah, <laughs> write this like, off my list. Right, and, exactly. It's and then we check. got called back to coach bowling, which which has been amazing. It's it's a cool sport. Like to because the kids we get aren't your normally normal sport kids, you know. So it, it's it's neat to be able to provide a sport for kids who aren't you know, going to be playing football, going to be stars on the track team, aren't going to be, but they still they aren't it. necessarily athletic. Right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it still takes a lot of skill, Certainly. but, uh, they, um, they're just a different kid that you're not going to get on your normal team. Hmm. And so seeing some of these kids, you know, have success or be counted on and, you know, like it, there's a lot to it and there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot, you know, pressure to perform and that carries across everything, you know, carries across your, your life. You know, you, when, when things get tough, you got to stand in there and you gotta, you gotta throw that ball or you gotta do whatever. And that's what sports provide kids is the knowing that when you're, you know, knocked down and getting beat to the pulp that you get back up and you go and you Absolutely. play defense or you throw the strike or you, you know, yeah, something that's kind of getting lost too. Yeah, my uh, senior year gym class was online bowling. Nice online bowling. Online bowling. There's such a thing. It was awesome. Wow, <laughs> isn't that great? <laughs> <laughs> I remember Tyler Kaminsky. I don't know if you remember him. Yeah, oh, took online Tyler. walking, and I took online bowling. Online <laughs> walking. Online walking. Oh my God. True story. It's like one of those. His <laughs> his assignment every day was to walk like ten miles, or something, and there was an app that tracked it. Or you could say that you didn't have a phone and have your mom sign oh off on it. God. So that's what he did. Oh, God. <laughs> Jeez. I love it. Anyway. Uh, um, how's his travel blog coming? Is it, 
He do, I, it's he's amazing. like making good videos. I know. He's all, he's all it's about so it. cool to watch. And he's like <laughs> making them. He's making these sweet drone shots yeah. with like his drone in his hand. Mm. Yeah. Like he doesn't have like a gimbal or a camera. Or right, I mean, right. he just got a camera, but he was like making these really good travel videos. Yeah. And I remember he made this like 45 minute thing. Yeah. In the first minute, I was like, oh my, this is like Sam Colder level. Yeah. And then yeah. he came up with a note. He's like, those are all my good shots. And the rest is <laughs> iPhone clips for 40 minutes. It was so awesome. But yeah, um, yeah it's so, I never in the, my life did I think someone like Tyler would be making really sweet videos, you know? I think he took movie. Did he? He took something. Maybe. Maybe animation. I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember. He probably one, did something. One of my classes. Yeah. That's awesome. But um, where do you, uh, are you happy with the the career you've lived? Oh, yeah. I mean, being an art teacher. Holy hell. Yeah. I mean, I. <laughs> this is what you wanted to do. Yeah. It's really. It's, awesome. it's It's what I wanted to do. I mean, it took me a little while to figure it out, but um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a great career. It's, it's, um you know, not the most lucrative career, um, in Vermont better than other places, but, um, you know, I get, I get the summers, uh, for how long, who knows, but I get time off to, to pursue my passions, you know, I work in my garage, build stuff, yep. you know, um, and that was something I really wanted to have is, you know, I knew that I was going to be doing things a lot of times, that didn't make a lot of money, you know, like that my passions were either woodworking or something that, so, I mean, I didn't really know what it was going to evolve to, but when I, when I was in high school, college, I, you know, I realized that, you know, I'm going to need something that can provide me some time that I could paint or, hmm. you know, do art and, mm-hmm. and be able to feed myself. Sure, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. And it's, it's a great job for that as far as, you know, being able to, being able to, to to you know to to work with the arts, but also to give yourself some time to work on your own things and your own passion projects. Because a lot of times, when you're working, you know, uh, and well, I mean, now it's a little different with the gig economy, but you know, you're working for one. Used to be, you're working for one company for your whole life, and mm-hmm. you're in management. You're working sixty hours a week, and you're you know like yep. and 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 then you you just try to retire. And, and Norris and I were having this conversation. Um, probably before the school ended, but it was one of somebody he knew that just retired and then ended up dying. He's just like, what am I doing? You know, he's like, I'm, you know, he's like, I save all of this money up for retirement. And he's like, how do I know I'm going to make it mm-hmm. to that point that I'm even going to be able to, to use it. So it's like, you see a lot of people that, you know, build these careers and, and, but they they don't have enough time to just like enjoy their life, you know. And mm-hmm. it, it it a teaching career allows you at least a little bit to, to the freedom of time, you know. And this whole time, even COVID has been awful. But you know, I've been home with my kids since March, hmm. you know. And my my thirteen year old, my eight year old. I mean, it's just like it's amazing to have that time that. I mean, we'd have the summer and obviously we probably did less this summer than we would do, but, <laughs> but, um, a lot of people don't have that time and they're working 40 hours a week and they're, you know, they're not going to the swimming hall and they're not, you know, or right. they're coming home after work tired. And, um, so it's a good career. I mean, it, it it'd be nice, obviously monetarily, if, you know, I was, had a side gig or something where I was making more money and, but that just cuts into the time that you can devote to whatever you want, you know? And, um, 
I found that freelancing and doing a lot of other stuff on the side while I was teaching wasn't really super successful because if I was shooting weddings, um, you know, every, every Saturday in the fall, you were booked. Mm-hmm. And then when do you edit? During <laughs> the school week, you know? Like, yeah, uh, seriously. And, and so, you know, I, I do stuff in the summer and it would tend to bleed over into the school year when it's like, I got to be focused on what I'm doing in school. I can't be doing this and then doing five hours of editing you know some people can but mm-hmm. you know i i don't know i'm not one of those people yeah <laughs> yeah i've i've definitely seen some people um who've retired and died uh yeah. just you know less than five years later it's it's sad and it really makes you think like how are you spending your time right and and do you really love what you're doing for work you can't just throw away and every live for the moment, whatever, but yeah, you, you exactly, have to have yeah. a balance of, and, you know, I think about my dad that way, you know, my dad's 70 um, and he's farming and he's working with my sister on the farm and he's like, he, we were talking about it. He's like, well, you know, what if, what if she can't, what if I don't do her field work? You know, what if I'm not able to do her field work? I'm not able to get on a tractor. And I'm like, dude, you're <laughs> going to be on a tractor till you die. Like, you have the cardio of, like, a 30-year-old. You know, like, mm. if you stop working and stop sitting, start sitting down or something, you're going to fall apart. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, like, like, so it's like, Dad, you keep farming, man. You're stronger than I am, you know. Like, <laughs> like, um, uh, but, yeah, you have, to, you, have to think about, you have to think about that. And a lot of times people sacrifice a lot for their work and – a lot more than they should. Yeah. yeah. That's something that's even been bugging me as a 21 year old, but I, I've had uh, the last six. So with this whole, whole COVID thing, yeah. when everybody went on vacation, I got swamped. Yeah. I've been working probably 12 to 14 hour days for the last six months with, I've had probably, probably a total of four or five days off. It's been insane. Because of everybody shifting to video? Well, you got to realize I'm in the church world. Everybody uh, went online. Yeah, yeah. So it was, you know, and, and I'm so thankful for that and all yeah. that stuff. Um, but, yeah, I just got really busy. That and I, yeah. I, I've just had normal jobs, too. Right. That all kind of came all at the same time, which I'm, again, super thankful for. But, it was, but I'm like, I want to ride my dirt bike. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, but you do you're, something. You you're know? also keyed into a YouTube community. Where yeah, exactly. Other, with, where it's you're all good. Learning from other creators that are talking about burnout and all this stuff yeah. too. So right. it's in the front of our mind, even though we're we're younger. Um, you mentioned several times you have a need to create and yeah. work with your hands and do yeah. something. What What is it that you really spend your time doing to to create now? Uh, right now, I, I've I work on cars, like cars are my big thing right now um i'm rebuilding uh 86 k30 chevy um and it's not super artistic as a as a thing but there are definitely artistic choices being made but um <laughs> <laughs> duct tape, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, duct tape. rivets but um no but I, i'm kind of exploring that too as a way to create kind of functional pieces not that this is any um, anything really out there, but that's where my, my focus has been really kind of pushed into creating things that, um, you know, that you, that more like, um, modified vehicles, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's, it's a little bit of the, the practical as far as, 
working on the car, the welding, the, um, the mechanical piece, um, which I like. Um, so kind of trending away from art as such and trending into kind of the mechanical, but I, I see myself like pushing more now towards more creative kind of cars. Like now that I have the skill in like building skills, like bodywork, welding, sheet yeah. metal stuff. And so now I can, you know, do stuff like I, I don't know. I stretched a car, uh, that was a while ago, uh, 10 inches longer. Um, so that was interesting. Hmm. Um, but you know, not great, not, not a great, um, final product is fine, but, uh, but yeah, just learning more about how to modify sheet metal and doing, doing all that kind of work was fabricating, fabricating. Yeah. It's kind of caught my passion and it's weird cause it's not art and it's not photo and it's not, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, but it's yeah. like what I kind of, I like doing now. Um, so like I have a two post lift in my garage. I built a big 30 nice. by 38 garage so I can work out of. And, um, I remember when you were building that garage when I was in high school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, now I'm working out of it. So it, that's, that's been kind of local. Um, I'll probably try to get back into photo a little bit. It's so hard now though, because everywhere is photo mm. you know and it's it's easy to get lost and it's like back when you were shooting stills you could have um you know i had it, it was in the gallery you know people would come in they look you'd have a show you know like and it's mm -hmm. oh that shows you put it up on instagram yes yeah, and it's like 30 likes whatever you know what i mean like yeah, it, four it, seconds, and it, a few hours and it's gone a few hours and everybody's pursuing even the smallest little bit of everything you know what i mean like there's mm -hmm. there's just i mean obviously you know they say as a cop out is there's always like some new direction you could go <laughs> but you know like i mean yeah, it, it just seems like you know you see some guy shooting you know, the moon with a, his iPhone and like some sort of rig on a telescope and it looks amazing. And you're just like, what? I mean, it's like, everybody's just, you know, with, with the, the YouTube and the Reddit and the, everybody's just pushing everything so far that it, it there's very little that isn't getting explored. Right. You know, and it, it's, that was kind of the interesting thing to me, you know, you go and you do, you know, some sort of, time lapse or something that was really cool and it was like innovative now it's like seven thousand instagram pages for time lapses or so you know like yeah. it's just it's it's hard to differentiate and i guess it's always been that way in photo but you know back when you were showing things on the wall versus showing things digitally it didn't move as fast yeah and it you know obviously it's elevating the game amazingly but it's also um i don't know just exploring all of the un unexplored things really fast and yeah, the barrier to entry is so yeah. much lower you know yeah. unlike fabricating like that's yeah. a, that's a, a skill a craft that's not quite as easily accessible as right taking pictures now right yeah so i don't know i mean I, i'd like to get back into it but you know it's it's like I looked at, we were doing some astro astronomical stuff with, with Herco astrophotography and you just go and look and it's like, yeah, we were out in Utah and it's like every, you know, everybody's light painting every damn thing. You know, you're sitting there in your campsite and people are shining flashlights all over the arches and all. It's like, what am I doing? Mm. You know, <laughs> like you're just one of a million people right. coming here that are, that are doing this. So, I mean, it, it's, um, 
photo in itself, I don't know. I mean, it's just become so, so pedestrian compared even when it was pedestrian, you know, <laughs> years ago mm -hmm. where video, video, at least you, you have the stories you can tell, you know, but yeah. you wonder how many stories are just like filling up, you know, and people are people watching the stories that you're telling anymore, you know, because it's like they, they hear the stories and it just, it becomes lost in the continual bombardment. Um, yeah. So it, it, you know, I don't know. I would hate to see video like lose that specialness, which I think it's starting down that road that photo did to be, you know, like mm. really telling somebody's story like you're doing here, you know. Mm -hmm. That's what. That's my whole passion. Yeah, I f that's that's really what I figured out is. I love filmmaking. Yeah, I mean, I love every. I love holding a camera in my hands. It's the best thing ever. Yep, but. And I think you, I, I think this makes, I think you heard this when I was talking about, you know, teachers and stuff, but it's like, I just love people telling people stories. That's like yeah. where it comes down to making yeah. a living doing that yeah. kind of hard, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's what it comes down to, you know? Well, I mean, it's, it's obviously there's Hollywood and there's all sorts of like dramatic filmmaking, but it's always documentary filmmaking has always been a low budget yeah. kind of thing and like telling people stories has always been kind of low budget it's weird yeah. it's like they're the most valuable things I know, and some of the best yeah. stuff too it's like but yet iron man will pull in you know like yeah, you like know. Uh, yeah. a whole <laughs> heck of a lot of money yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. every time and it's yeah. guaranteed yeah like oh man but anyhow yeah, I've got a, a you have a whole bunch. Yeah, you were like feverish, feverishly writing over here. Uh, yeah, I so I'm going to let you do some your notes thing. so I didn't lose any good ideas. <laughs> um, for the student that doesn't like high school, they're not into the academics, aside yeah. from saying go take an art class, what's a piece of advice you would give to somebody who's doesn't love school? You're always going to have to work. Hmm. So pick something. You know, you can't just avoid work all the time, you know, and the skills of drawing, communicating, you know, are important, you know. And so, I mean, I deal a lot with kind of the CTE population. I've been teaching CTE art and it's like I try to focus on them with drawing. It's like it's a, it's a communicating. You need to be able to do it. You know, you need to be able to, even if you're building a shed or you can't get through life without going all in. You know, so you can't just, I mean, you can, you can avoid high school, you can avoid it, but it's going to catch up with you. You don't want to make that choice where you're just constantly avoiding everything in the world because you don't like it, you know, or it's hard or you're going to have to do something. So you got to, you got to pick and you got to go and you got to give it everything. You know, you have to make that choice. Otherwise, somebody's going to be making that decision for you and it's not going to be you. I think that answer could also go towards my next question, which is what's a piece of advice you would give to somebody, to an up and coming artist, you know, I, so maybe they graduated and they're wanting to go out on their own. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how much I have. I mean, obviously my path isn't, you know, obviously is very safe, you mm -hmm. know, um, you know, somebody like Cam or somebody, you know, like, like Jack or, you know, it's hard when you're, or Kale, or you're going into this art career and you don't know. I mean, obviously the people that were telling me you're not going to make a living, 
they're right. <laughs> you know, a lot of the time, I mean, <laughs> yeah, a lot of them, yeah. And you may make a living great for three years, and then things change, and you're not. You know, like Lots the of, the guys yeah. who were you know, doing film developing or whatever, you know, it's like, you got to move and you got to change, but some, a lot of that, you know, that it just goes away and we see that in the COVID economy. So it's, you know, you have to be flexible, you have to work hard, but the biggest thing is you have to be someone that people like to work with. And that's something I've always struggled with. Cause I've always felt, especially like when I was a kid, like as an outsider, like very self-conscious of being, the only farm kid in mm. my town, you know, mm. the only one that got up before school and milked cows yeah, and then wow. went to school in middle school or whatever, you know, I broke my arm in, in middle school and the girl's like, you fall off a cow, you know, and I was yeah. like, Shut up. you know, <laughs> but, yeah. but, um, maybe I did. I don't remember <laughs> how I did that. I was probably a bike. It's beside the point. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, and, and that's the one thing I love about Vermont too, is it's a very dairy, very agricultural place. So it's like, it fits me, you know, fits both sure, of my yeah. crazinesses. But, um, so where were we? But you, um, uh, what was that question again? Uh, advice up? you would give to oh, an up and coming artist. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, you know, you got to work and you got to follow, you got to follow again. This is crazy, but you got to follow your passion and you know, you have to do what suits you. Um, so you have to take risks, but also you have to, you know, play to your strengths. Um, so being someone like Kale that everybody likes to be around will get you jobs. For sure. Um, you can't be, um, gruff. It used to be, you know, like the director was like grumbly, whatever, you know, like mm, yeah, yeah. it's not, you can't, no one wants to work with you if you're, if you're not someone that's personable. So that's sometimes hard for people. That was hard for me, you know, as, as I was getting into, it's like hard because, you know, you feel like you're the outside. You feel like you always have something to prove. You don't know if people are gaming you or you don't know, you know, what's going on. So it's easier to be kind of abrasive and standoffish as first. But when you're trying to win people's support and jobs and you you have to be personable you know any more yeah last one okay go oh well, yeah unless you've got it. something i so well i might take this out okay. so i'll ask this question now okay this video is gonna come out in december sure it is august yep. of 2020 <laughs> what do you think school is gonna look like in december We'll be back full time. You think it'll just be business as usual? Yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. Um, I think, I mean, this thing went through us pretty quick. Um, us that, being Vermont? Being Vermont, being New York, um, Mar March, April. I mean, mm -hmm. our numbers are really low. Right. It's not coming back here as, you know, like New York City would be crazy mm -hmm. right now if it was still like as virulent. Sure. Um, so, I mean, with our numbers of three new cases a day for, <laughs> you know, I, mean, I, yeah. I don't, I don't if see, that. I don't see kids spreading it and I don't see, um, I don't see it taking hold. The only place in Vermont that it could take hold is the schools. Mm -hmm. So, um, and if it starts doing that, they'll just shut it down. But I, right. I just don't see it doing that because kids don't tend to be, getting this or getting as sick and right. spreading it. So um, in December, I, I think we're back to business. I think, you know, it may be hard. It may come back during the winter season and we may be out for a bit. Um, but it's like now in the South where it's the summer, everybody's inside 
because of the air conditioning <laughs> and stuff. They're getting they're getting hammered. But I don't know. I I don't. I I think we've got a a, a better handle on the COVID situation. So I think that especially in Vermont, we will be we will be back full time. And I mean, it may be an issue with some people, but I don't think it's going to be a huge mm-hmm. a huge issue. I don't know. Good. I like that perspective. <laughs> That, Go ahead. That, that was what you wanted to know. Yeah, I just wanted to. Know, yeah. I just wanted to know yeah. where you were at with yeah. with all that. Um, well, I mean, I can tell everybody you too. Has a, what's up? I mean, I February break. I was in New York City. Oh, all, really? All over the freaking place. Yeah. And I came home <laughs> and I was sick as hell. <laughs> so, so, so you're I, th- I think I'm pretty of. good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I you're I, immune. <laughs> I, I um. I, I came home and like two weeks later I was, I never got a fever so they wouldn't test me. And this was early in the COVID stuff, mm-hmm. but I had all sorts of like body pains and sweats and stuff. I ended up having like wicked like stomach pains and I went into the doctors and they're like, Oh, well it could be a kidney stone. So they gave me like a, a ultrasound instead of a COVID test, yeah, right. you know? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so luckily no, I have no kidney stones, which I never <laughs> ever had, but yeah. so I'm pretty Cleared. sure, I'm pretty sure it went through like our entire family in, in March because yeah, we, we went to New York and you know, I, we go to school vacation. I love going to New York city and we went all over, you know, Statue of Liberty on a packed boat full of people, right? you know, or all over Chinatown, all over wherever. And my wife had wicked headaches. Griff was sick. My youngest was sick. And then everybody kind of got better. Mm-hmm. Um, which some people don't, which is really scary about this, you know, <laughs> yeah, it like right. gets into your lungs and, uh, goes crazy but i'm pretty sure we all kind of went through it and i'm pretty sure you know pretty sure in vermont when like all of it hit and all the nursing home people were dying it's like how does that happen when it's not here Hmm. you know you can't just have 80 year olds in some random nursing home that never go out you know (laughs) that are dropping dead of covid (laughs) right um how did it get there and it's not in the public of course it's in the public you know and and vermont being so rural and so you're not going to run into like 30 people before eight o'clock in the morning like in new york city Mm. you know (laughs) you're you're it's just not going to be as virulent here even though it is very 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 (laughs) transmissive so i think i think we'll be okay i mean i I hope we'll be okay i'm not like a medical doctor right right right. (laughs) but But do you have to are you gonna have to do like do you have to wipe down all the keyboards after each class? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different things like maintenance, like Wednesdays, we're not supposed to be in the building. Like, so they're going to have, Oh, what? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you knew that? Yeah. Cause mom works in the school. So, oh, duh. Right. So, so we're doing, we're doing this like split school. So it's like two, two days, half the class is going to be there. Then we have Wednesday, which is online remote. And then the other half of the class is coming Thursday, Friday. Oh wow! So kids are home three days of the week. So, um, oh my so on Wednesdays, <laughs> on Wednesdays, yeah, I know it's uh, especially wait for elementary schools too. I think, I think so. I, I don't yeah, know. I, think I don't so. know. See, that would be like really freaking hard as a parent. Well, or your your <laughs> middle school kids. You want, yeah, like, well, that too. Right. <laughs> you want like wow gangs of middle school kids like well, roaming? That, and it's just like you think about parents trying to work, right? Yeah. Right, it's it's crazy. Wow. All right. Anyway, continue. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah. So I don't know. I mean, the big thing was the cameras. Like, are we going to wipe them down with alcohol? How are we going to do that? We're not supposed oh, to be yeah. sharing art supplies, but it's like you can't give every kid in your class a camera. Yeah. Right. You know, or right. an editing machine. Like, right. And, and yeah. like, 
Yeah, all right, here you go. Well, if you uh, wipe it down with alcohol, yeah, no, it, it should be it, fine. It's <laughs> totally fine. Yeah, and, but it's like you think about like, well, we give them a bag to go home, and it's like, do we? Are we? What are we doing with the bag now? Do we? Do we? We all went to cloth bags. Do we go back to like a pelican or something that's mm-hmm. like hard surface so we can clean it easier? Then, yeah. um, so there's a lot of things to think of, but I, I don't think the transmissibility is there on surfaces. I mean, that's what they've right. been saying. So, that, right, exactly. So that's an amazing thing because if it was, we would be. That'd be very hard. Be, yeah, if, if it was, it would have been like everybody off the grocery store. Right, right everybody's know? dead. Yeah, I mean, right. it's, it's a. It, yeah. I mean that's a very and you know like you just think I just think how scary like bioweapons like and not to say that this is a bioweapon but right. yeah the ability to reach yeah. everywhere without you know yeah it's crazy right <laughs> it's made a lot of people think for the first time yeah it's made a lot of people aware aware of a you know an enemy that's invisible for the first time yeah. which has been very interesting to watch right because a lot of people have not handled that very well <laughs> right. Um, so, sorry, last clarifying question. Not that this is important. I'm just curious. So is it you have like half the amount of people in the class now? Yeah. So you're talking like five, six, seven at a time? Yeah, yeah. Then we have a class of like 19, so probably like okay. nine or 10, whatever. But the, uh, yeah, because you can't social distance. Right, yeah. So I have 19 seats in my room. If I put 19 kids in there, they're all shoulder to shoulder. Right. At least if you do half, I can put a seat in between gotcha. each kid, so it'll spread them a That's little bit. and and hopefully decrease, but I, I don't know. I, I wonder how much that'll change. Not the class, the classroom environment, but just like teaching. Yeah. I wonder if that'll be almost a benefit or, or worse. Well, I mean, there, there's a lot of different things. Like, I mean, people now talk about like flipped classrooms, which is where you give kids like lectures and stuff to watch after school and then you do like assignments like during school and it's like ridiculous and for me like i'm just like you're just giving them more work you're just yeah, trying I to ex- you're just trying <laughs> you're just trying to extend the school day you know like, right. like, my like, whole thing was like i never left my last two years of high school i didn't yeah. leave with homework right. there's no way i was going to home to do more right i was going to do it there yeah right. even when the teacher's talking i'm doing it there yeah, yeah for sure <laughs> you know anyway well and that and i i had a talk with an admin about that i'm like you know these you need that separation you need to know when you're on call and i think teachers are really bad at just pushing the school day yeah after like, school why? and now when it's remote like obviously if i go to a job and it's like i'm nine to five like at five I'm shutting off, you right, know, yeah, right. <laughs> like, I mean, cause I'm getting paid this certain amount, but I guess, I guess it's like the new economy where it's like you're on call 24 seven, you know, yeah. but you know, these kids need the downtime. They need to play and they need to also, you know, have time to pursue their own stuff and, and doing, you know, we've been trying to reduce the amount of homework and then they come up with this flip classroom and everybody's like, Oh, it's a flip classroom. It's like, you know, that's just a cool name for homework. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah, it's it just, it, it's just a, you know, it's like in all the AP classes. Sure. If a kid signs up for an AP class, yeah, they're going to get more homework. You know what I mean? Like they mm-hmm. know what they're getting into, you know, it's not right, like, right. but, yeah. but like a, you know, a kid taking history or whatever, it's like, they don't want to sit home after school and watch an hour and a half YouTube video yeah, no and way. then come back and cause it's just, it's just more school, you know? Right. Like, so yeah, that doesn't make any sense, but it's like you're there for plenty of hours. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> like, if on. you can't, yeah. Um, if you can't use your hours, but you know, but I'm also guilty of that too. I mean, I have kids film outside of the school day. 
Yeah, you know, and yeah. and like most of the time it's filming sports. Though. Mostly, and it's mostly it's volunteering, but yeah, it's not really anyway. volunteering, you know. Right, it's, but right, I can't, right. I can't force kids to film outside of the school day. But it, you know, I don't know. It's yeah. but also you're you're not a you're not a required class, right? Per se, right? They're choosing to take it per se. Like yeah. obviously they need credits in that area, right. but the, you know. So anyway, um, where. Where do you seek inspiration? Uh, typically, this is like a mentor, and we've been interviewing people who like other filmmakers. Um, right. So, but you being a teacher, that right. might be a little different. So, where are you getting inspiration, either for teaching or uh, for your art? Um, I like to take classes. Um, I've been taking, trying to take like a class or two a year. Um, for the past few years. So I just took a typography class for CCV, which was amazing, like learning about type. Hmm. Um, so trying to stay current on kind of different things are like filling holes and stuff that I don't know is kind of inspiration. I learned a lot from a typography class because I never took that. I took, you know, I took some graphic design stuff, but, you know, that was one thing that was a big hole. And um, so I've been trying to kind of fill, fill those holes and getting inspiration from like new art, stuff that i you know that, that i haven't seen before um for teaching it's the same way you know i take some some classes about teaching to try to learn more about best practice but it's not always the most fun um so that's more like work not as inspiration but you know on the video side it's just watching you know i just watch a lot of video you know and and mm-hmm. and even student created you know and 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 you know, it's some sometimes I don't watch. You know, sometimes I don't watch a lot, and I kind of pull back. But um, I, I try, I try to watch. Um, I try to watch varied stuff, and I've been watching a lot of YouTube now because of that shift, and trying to think about whether or not I'm going to add some sort of kind of creator style Dude. piece to like a movie one or something, where instead of the, you know, because is it the fact that these kids are kind of not looking to move down the movie pathway more looking mm-hmm. down the like creator creator yeah. you yeah. know like is that why i'm losing kids or is that why it's not you know that would be an awesome <laughs> class <laughs> seriously yeah no that's that's genius it's great yeah. that you're you're trying to think of the next generation of kids like mm-hmm. having like not like a like not like, not like a social media management yeah. class, but right, like right. a but like an online creator class. Just like That'd be well, I mean, just like the filming is different. You know, like you right. see, like yeah, yeah. Cletus McFarland. I watch a lot of Cletus. I don't know if you know he's like car guy, um, but he's always got the the you know the GoPro and you mm-hmm. know and it's like it's like how do you do that? I look at him and when he's doing collabs with other people, you know, he's got a he's filming himself all the freaking time, and you know some that's really hard well so here's the deal this is what so i make a lot of youtube videos i don't know if you knew that right um about me and my idiot friends doing whatever we want <laughs> yeah, yeah it's awesome it's yeah. it, i do that in my like <laughs> right right yeah I, I just do video in my free time now so it's like <laughs> you know it's crazy but um it's very hard to tell a story that hasn't been written yet yeah and that's honestly what you could be because like i like making YouTube videos about like our day or our weekend that we go do or whatever. And I'm able to do that because I know the tools to tell a story. Right. But it's very hard to tell a story that isn't written. But then again, 
that could also really help you for whatever other videos you're making, right. especially documentary stuff. You're basically making a documentary, yeah. but you could call it, you know, yeah, the online you. creator thing. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, the, the vlogging world, your story of today, which is part of your bigger picture that you don't well, know the ending to yet. And there's and and there's all sorts of other production piece coming into that being story pieces. Are they? Is that really what's happening? Are they like? creating these situations right, that yeah. they're in are they Very, you know well, <laughs> it's like yeah. you know and how much of it is actually real and how much of it is is for views and mm -hmm. you know how do you how do you start to write this thing because you know you can follow people's lay and that's what's intriguing about youtube is you like follow these people and you get to know them um as personalities but um it's also it's like what are they presenting to you is it it's not the reality or is it the reality or you know, are you picking and choosing um, and what, what makes a good story. So it's, it's a really complicated piece to try to throw together something that somebody wants to watch because one, you're the main actor mm -hmm. and you're the, the filmer <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? and you're the editor for the most part. I mean, obviously people are hiring other people, but, um, to get started in that, that's a lot to put on one person and all those people start by doing it all themselves for the most part, they're not starting with a crew of people and they're yeah, getting a million right. videos. So, you know, how do you do that? And, and the, and the other thing is like <laughs> what people watch, you know, when a seven year old or whatever has $21 million or made like, you know, yeah, right, like, exactly. you know, the, uh, unboxing toys, you know, it's like, <laughs> right. It, it's not like Nielsen anymore where you're, you know, where the, like the TV, the show, you know, the price is right. It's getting this many views. It's like, this kid is like making Play-Doh and it's got 4 million, you know, know. You know? and yeah. so, so how, how do you know? I mean, a lot of that stuff is still unexplored, mm -hmm. you know, like, I mean, it's getting more mature now that YouTube obviously gets older, but you know, there's so many things you're like, wow, you know, that dude's just unboxing stuff and making a whole life. Yeah. You know, making way more money than I've ever seen. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Unboxing right. things. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, that would be really interesting though. Like as a class to, um, you know, you think about it as movies, you break it down the lighting and the cinematography right. and the story, but to break down, okay, yeah, there's this whatever unboxing YouTube channel right. that is successful to me. Right. How do you break that down? What makes them successful? Right. That might be like more relatable than trying to break down, like you said, the Avengers or something yeah. that, Oh no! Exactly. Watching. Exactly, and and that they can immediately put into practice, right? You know, mm. they can throw on you. Know, nobody would watch it, but they, you know, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, yeah right. you know, like how does that happen? You know, how do you how do you take off that? You know, mm. but um, yeah, it's 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 interesting. It, that world is interesting, but I, I just I feel I feel like YouTube is just such a monopoly that that something needs to happen there too, like that that's frightening that whole that like one company has control of well, that yeah. whole yeah. sector it's google it's yeah. google yeah google yeah. owns everything i shouldn't stop talking now right <laughs> uh, yeah the freaking <laughs> cia my, my phone up. google off of my phone is recording this um <laughs> the, the, uh we'll have to but, you know this is a patreon only part two <laughs> <to> the conversation <laughs> the, <laughs> the yeah. um well i mean we look we have google classroom Oh, yeah. You know, Google providing that for free to all the kids. What are mm. they doing? You know, oh, we're not. What are you doing? You're, you're not providing that for free. Right. You know, like, like you're either data mining their work. You're, 
either using your using it to tune your AI so you know more about like what the kids want. I mean, yeah, it's like, like the, the <laughs> algorithms for, it's for so, YouTube. <laughs> it's so scary. I mean, when I grew up, it's like you took your name out of your phone book and you were invisible, basically. You know, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> like I mean, I'm you know, I mean, I'm sure other people, but it's like. I remember when it's like there was anonymity and there was, you know, who weren't, I don't know. I look at my kids and how much, how much their data mind, you know, even mm-hmm. my eighth grade, my eight year old watching yeah. YouTube and how much my 13 year old, you know, with all this stuff and it. It's scary. I mean, it's, it's really scary and it's crazy. Yeah. Everything's public. You can't hide yeah. it. No, no. So, I mean, you can't really go off, <laughs> off the record, off the, you know. Like, <laughs> right. And and, it, and it's frightening now with the, the combination of what's happening in the world, kind of the cancel culture and all of that, that, um, you know, you just got to be careful of what you say at all times and what you post at all times. And obviously yeah, you, you want to, but, you know, um, everything can be taken differently. And it's like, you know, even like some of these, kind of things you would post as like thought kind of processes or something. It's like, you just don't you keep everything inside and you kind of put out a public persona to everything that you do um, at detriment to kind of really how you feel. So, you know, it's like kind of feeling stuff out and, you know, you have, this is what I say to the public and it used to be, that's what corporations did. You know, you had a public front, you had a personal front when you were yourself, you could say whatever you wanted, you know, now, and no, it's like you, you gotta, you just gotta be quiet and not say things or try not. I mean, try not to, to say the wrong things. And not that you know, obviously, there's a lot of wrong and right things to say, but you know, you never know the flavor of the minute what mm-hmm. is gonna exactly. become, you know, blown up out of proportion. Right. And so, I don't know. It's a tough. It's a tough world when everything gets recorded and everything get. I mean. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's not. I guess it, you know, it makes people better. Maybe it's cool everything. and it's great. And yeah. Then it's yeah. <laughs> also a mess. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's quite, uh, you keep quite writing a, things down. Not some of the, some of this is like notes for me to jot down yeah. later when I'm sharing his photo on the Instagram. Feed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Timestamp stuff. Gotcha. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. You're going into this. Oh, and uh, so like he said something uh, about like, can- like cancel culture. That sounded yeah. that sounded interesting, and that's something I haven't. Yeah, that's. I- I'm unfamiliar with that term, so I wanted to look it up. That is a huge thing right now. Yeah. What what is that? Oh, it's it's when someone says something that they you know doesn't go with, or it may not be correct or <laughs> thoughtful mm. or yeah, you know, and it you know people just want them removed from whatever they're doing, get them fired, you know, and like take them off their show. And I don't know, it was like Nick Cannon. I don't know what he did, but I mean, that was one of the recent ones. Like there's just a bunch out there where, you know, if you, Ellen is the current one. Ellen. Yeah. 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 You know, and you know, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's kind of a free speech slash, you know, um, Propriety, and I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm not out there um, slinging hate speech or anything like <laughs> that. But it's hard to know, you know, in this world now, um, 
you know, even saying like guys to a class, you know, like, you, oh, do, you yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah, right. just simple things where you're, you're just not even thinking, you know, like, and right. Like I say, and, Hey man, didn't anybody. Or, right. And, yeah. and it's like all of a sudden it becomes an issue, you know? And it's like, no, you know, it's like, you know, right. I don't know. I um, so, so I don't know. It's, it's interesting, like trying to change, change for, knowing that you may be recorded knowing that you may be and even on the off chance of saying something that you know and and in some ways even saying things that could be correct or better just misinterpret that well right. yeah, even right. misinterpreted that you're just not they're still right yeah that, that that that's your thought and the other people's thoughts not the what you want to you know and 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 in reality you may be right but it's not the popular opinion yeah. and and all of a sudden you're you're a bad guy you know and uh I don't know. It's uh it's interesting world. I mean, out there with, you know, oh, everything going on and Trump and the presidency with no filter, just like mm-hmm. throwing stuff up and <laughs> retreating whatever. And, yeah. you know, like, I don't know. It's, it's, it, it'll be interesting to see in the next 10 years kind of where it plays out with media. And, you know, you watch YouTube just censor and promote what they want exactly. and yeah. kind of all of those big media outlets kind of right. do what they want and it's like your product but they're channeling it and i mean i guess that's always been the case in media you know it's right like, yeah. but but it's it's different when it's like a show which is a group of people coming together versus it's like you as a personality you can't talk about this or it gets demonetized or you can't <laughs> yeah, you right. know like it's it's definitely or or the algorithm your video doesn't get played it gets ghosted you know right, like or whatever right. uh, it, it's it's insane it, it was a better world before we had databases that could store every bit of information <laughs> on everybody mm-hmm. you know it was you know it, I never knew that world though I know <laughs> yeah I know, yeah we're I know. I never lived without it. the internet right I was born after what. Uh, <laughs> final question marketing so you're good yeah um where can people find you find me in the smart (laughs) lab usually yeah yeah, well that's typically an instagram (laughs) i don't i don't put myself out there all that much um as far as social media i mean i I have an instagram but it's not public (laughs) Um, oh really yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. What about your garage one? Cam, not you. My garage one is is open, but yeah, that's kind of mellow. That'd be nice <laughs> to kind of develop that into something YouTube-y, but again, I worry about I worry about that, you know, right, yeah. like you'll find him in an undisclosed location in the woods. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I worry about like being a personality and being a teacher. I and mean, we used to see it all the time uh-huh. with like our theater teachers would go out and they'd be in performances and then they get flack from the admin for being doing in, in some role, sort of sure. racy role or whatever, you know? And it's just like, I don't want that stuff crossing over and, you know, being in a play is one thing, but being like having a video playing is a whole nother that they can be mm-hmm. like, you know, <laughs> interesting is your kid crawling under a tractor repairing something it's like yeah you know it's like how is that say well you know i don't mm. know i got i got another kid it's the farm life you know the, uh, <laughs> next man up yeah. um but but yeah you know it's just things like that that i think about is like do i really want I mean, there's a payoff for like providing people all that access, but there's also, you know, there, mm. there's, there's a lot of downsides to that, uh, especially being in public. If I, you know, I don't know. Everybody wants to be an influencer too. Right. And nobody thinks about that, you know, 
about what they're saying. No, just about who could be watching. Oh, yeah. yeah Remember when we were yeah. talking to... We had um, someone named Sarah here. And her big line of the podcast, I just <laughs> thought was genius. Well, she's like, you always see what the algorithm's putting in front of you, but you yeah. never see what the algorithm is doing with your content right? and who it's going in front of. Yeah. I was like, wow. Yeah, that's profound. <laughs> yeah, you never do think about it. Yeah, never yeah, think yeah. about what the algorithm's doing with the stuff you post. Yeah, you know, my friend is um, he he is a digitalis. Or, uh, I'm gonna mess up his name. He's a Spanish name, but he hmm. he has a bunch of different businesses. But his main business now is YouTube licensing, and um, he licenses artists that aren't um, getting their money. From YouTube, so there's tons of artists on YouTube who their stuff is getting played, but nobody's collecting. Mm. So let's mm. say the Grateful Dead has a concert, whatever. You know that money could be sitting there and being, you know, accrued. The person who posted it isn't getting the money because it's not their content. Yeah. Right. So he puts the people together with their money, and most of his artists are dead because mm. it's like old jazz artists and stuff like that. And I mean, who, the royalties the royalties run out are yet. still yeah. kicking and. No mm. one's collecting because no one knows about it. So he finds matches the people up and takes 10% or whatever. And Interesting. Um, mm. so he's got like five employees out in California, but my best friend since like elementary school on up. And uh, so it's interesting to hear him talk about that. And he has a band and we, I shot a music video for him and <laughs> somehow it got like 400,000 views or something. And, and then, <laughs> and then it like stopped. <laughs> so it, like it got 360,000 views. And then it like in like a week mm-hmm. and then none like for the next, like whatever, <laughs> like, but that's, so did he pay YouTube? Did he use some sort of, you know, <laughs> right. like, like whatever to put that in front of like a ton of people. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden it just gets shelved. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sure like tons of that stuff is getting promoted for money, you know, like for clicks and whatever. Yeah. Well, uh, if you, I mean, look at the YouTube trending feed, right? Mm. There's some stuff that has a hundred thousand views next to things that have a hundred million. Right. Which one's trending and which one's paid for. Right. right. You know? Right. So yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So he'd be a good one to talk to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got to get him to Vermont though. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go here and then we'll wrap this up. Sure. We're at the end of your independent study. So, okay. I, I don't want to, it's okay. <laughs> I don't want to take too much more My individual time. work time. Yes. Um, but I, I want to talk about him because one day I want him on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. And that is Overton. Overton, yeah. Holy crap. That kid is unbelievable. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> he's all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but something that I find interesting, um, you know, he's he's like, more, he's probably the most talented filmmaker that I've ever met. Is me too. I mean, just unbelievable. Yeah. He was how many years before me? Probably four or five, six, something like that. I don't know. Not not that many. Really? Maybe, yeah. Uh, he was never... Because he just graduated college. Oh. So he's like maybe a year out of college. Oh, wow. Okay, so not much at all. No. So we must barely miss each other. Yep. Um, Super dramatic film guy, right? Yeah, he's, on, yeah. he's in... He's, he's made yeah. the best movies I've ever seen. His 10-minute short yeah. films will, will like... Rock your emotionally world. shake you, yeah, <laughs> and they're just perfect. perfect, yeah, they're like perfect, yeah. Um, you know anything about where he's at right now? Sure, do. Um, <laughs> he's in quarantine, he just put out the movie Quarantine yeah, the, the musical. musical, yeah. He made a full fledged <laughs> musical, 
<laughs> I'm like, how in the world? <laughs> Who did the music? <laughs> he um he graduated film school. Um, he went to Dodge a Chapman, and mm-hmm. uh, and um, he's just kind of shopping stuff, trying to find trying to find work, and it, the the COVID thing kind of kind of knocked it down a little bit. But he um he um worked for um uh, he like interned or not wor- and started working for. Uh, what's it, anonymous content like their okay. their video product like high end music video oh, good, like yeah. and um, so he was working there. I don't know if he is working there anymore. I'm not sure he. I don't. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he was doing he was doing work for them, just kind of not just like production assistant, kind of feeling around. But he hasn't really made the jump. He I talked to him. He's got like another movie that he wants to shoot. I was trying to work with him. Um, he just texts me. He's like, do you know, <laughs> you know, do you have a place or do you whatever, you know? And I was like, Oh, we could shoot on my parents place. Oh, we, my grandparents place is better for the, you know? So he's got some movie in the works of, uh, that needs like a four door pickup truck and shot in the seventies. I don't know. So, um, <laughs> that's on his back burner. Um, but I'm not, I don't know. He hasn't really made that jump to, like the industry and he needs to like soon. So that's the interesting thing about him that I, that I've heard is like, I mean, he's, he could be making like incredible movies, anything like full fledged movies, yeah, yeah. you know? Um, but even at his level and the stuff he has to show for it, he right. hasn't made the jump yet. Right. And I think COVID kind of knocked him. He's not, he hasn't, he's only been out like a year or two out of yeah, film true. school. So it hasn't been that long. <laughs> and his, his film school movies are amazing. I don't know if you, they're insane. Yeah. Um, like <clears throat> and, I don't get it. And so I don't, I don't get how I don't, I don't get how the Hollywood world works. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'm sure it's not as easy as look, I'm super talented. Obviously there's so much crazy stuff that goes on with, control of talent and i was gonna say he's also going for like the director role i would assume right which is right and you don't right of the podium right so and it's it's a hard thing because he you know we've been shooting like over 10 over an eye but like when he was at school for four years we shot every day basically for Mm -hmm. four years as he was at school you know so this kid has been in production you know now for 10 years or whatever you know like his ability to to shoot something and to write into you know, it's, he's, he's seasoned, you know, like he, and, and he, you know, for him to hop in as a PA, it's a waste of his talent, you know, like, and, and, and it's frustrating watching him because I know that like at some point, but it's like, how long do you bang your head against the wall before you start pursuing other stuff? That's not what you're good at, you know, like, and it's like, Oh, I know. I I mean, let that, go to waste dude. no and, I, and the, the good thing is there's so much stuff getting shot right now you know but it, you know there's so much work. i mean obviously covid's shut a lot of stuff down but you know with netflix and all of these people launching streaming stuff mm, and everybody right. home it's like everybody's starving for content and there's so much being shot that you would hope that he could like latch on to something but it would be interesting for him i i mean i would see like just bypassing the whole thing and shooting his own stuff Right, he's incredible you know, I mean, at writing. He had 
he's good at writing, but he's, he, you know, even in high school, his videos are 300,000, 400,000 views. <laughs> yeah, you know I what know. I mean? Like, and the and, one he, his Dodge college application video is yeah, way up there. Right. So, I mean, of anyone that could kind of, he just needs to find the right person to poach him mm-hmm. and kind of be like, Hey, we're going to give you this much money. Yeah. Go make something, you right. know, like, but I don't think there, I don't know if there are people out there like that. You know, that would take like an unproven, not that he's unproven, but you know, it's a big step from doing a GoFundMe and shooting (laughs) something, you know, like a a college final to somebody laying down, you know, a million dollars. Yeah, a million bucks to go. Yeah. On a a kid who's never directed, you know, like, yeah, right. Right, You know, a movie movie. I mean, he's directed plenty of movies, but not not like, right. So, you seen what Kevin James is doing on YouTube? Sort of. Okay. He would be perfect for something like that. Like, just thinking about it. Kevin James puts out a short film a week. Oh, right, right. And they're incredible. Yeah. Like, they're really, really good. Yeah. I mean, they're hilarious, of course. Right, right, right. But they're, like, super well-made and stuff. That would be really interesting. Well, and you look at, like, the people he's living with. It's it's interesting, like, the, the musical. He's living with, like, his lead actor for most of his yep. life. He's it was also incredible. He's really good, Kyle. <laughs> like, he's living with Sam Robinson, who is another kid that came out of EHS. Who, mm-hmm. who, it's his stuff now is, is unbelievable. Yeah, it's gotten really good. And he never went to school. He just followed Mike out west and like was like, I'm going to do the same stuff and yeah. get in with people and start shooting. And which was amazing because he wasn't at all bought in at Essex. I don't know if I can say, but you know, yeah, like, right, he was right. just kind of, you know, I don't know, just not into as filmmaking as much as yeah it clicked later as mike was yeah it clicked later totally and his stuff is is phenomenal now and he's shooting he said he shot six commercials last week or something like that. <laughs> holy crap yeah like <laughs> if, you, if you follow him, sam robinson dp or something they were they were working mm-hmm. on like a bunch of different stuff but he has he has a red and his own red like you do and <laughs> the, uh, but it's funny because mike is like well we shot this during quarantine or no he shot something he's like well, it was only the stuff we had around the house did you do you know like, <laughs> yeah, yeah you had like a broom pole yeah you've got yeah you yeah have, right right, you right. a fully professional dp and like a, you know well so sam is uh he he's making the first movie that'll be shot in like every continent or something like that and yeah, huh. nomad the film yeah, yeah. i don't I, I don't know much about it other than that in fact yeah. that's the first one to be shot in every yeah yeah whatever but i had about this much and, and Sam <laughs> very, very right. little That's yeah, funny. Very, he, he was in my class <laughs> but I mean he did the 50 all the time and um mm-hmm. and he was definitely a part of a lot of Mike stuff so he was he was there and seeing how stuff worked and I'm glad that he really put it forth because he's really talented hmm. um and you know that's the cool thing of being a teacher you see all of these kids um and you see where they're going and you just i mean it's also the bad thing it's like you hope that they're eating and you know (laughs) right (laughs) surviving and can actually provide uh for themselves after a while because you know the the freelance the gig economy is tough you know unless Mm -hmm. you have an in you know and i mean i guess that's for everybody everybody's got to find their way but um there's no um there's no one path, you know, and it's, it's everybody's, everybody always used to think, oh, you go here and then you go to college and then you, it's like everybody's finding out that that's not really the case anymore. You know, the whole school, the college to like amazing job just 
isn't yeah it that, that yeah that's a fallacy kind of in some ways and in some ways it isn't but um the you know it's it's hard to watch kids because they look at you and they're like oh how am I gonna succeed and I'm like I, I don't know <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah with like I don't do, have that like, answer yeah. I mean I, yeah. I can point you in different directions but I mean I, I personally it's like I feel bad if I'm like guiding kids mm. like I feel mm. I don't want to be like okay you need to do this this and this and this because yeah, like I feel like film school I feel like to, I'm yeah. responsible you know like I, I you know and it's 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 a lot you know I'm not a guidance counselor but <laughs> it's a lot to um to know and and it's a lot of responsibility if you you know this kid's now 40 years old and doesn't have a job and you yeah, know right. it's not and is that my fault that they went to film school and spent $178,000 or something and then came out in an amazing amount of debt and then never yeah. hooked on to anything. Would you but have recommended film school for me? For you? Yeah. As a high schooler? I don't know. I mean, I think you <laughs> I didn't got, know either. <laughs> I, I think you got I when, took a gamble. When, when you started shooting with Mount Mansfield, though, I think that was super helpful. I mean, Kyle's amazing over there. And, yeah, uh, oh, that was huge. Um, for sure. That taught me just the, I mean, that taught me everything. I know right, now, right. Really. You know, I mean, I, well, that's not discrediting you. No, 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 so no, you know. no, no. But no. As, as far as but, how the business works. Right. It taught me everything I know. There's there's only yeah. so much, you know, you can teach in a school situation, you know, and right. it's like you have to make that jump. And that's where kids that get into college and go that college pipeline, sometimes it's really hard to make that loop from college mm. to because you're you're so focused. All of your product is focused on like pleasing a professor or doing whatever. Yeah, right. It's not making money. You know, mm. it's not making money off the craft, it's not earning a living, it's like whatever. It's like it's a whole different world. It's a whole different world. And yeah. and when people are generating clicks and views earlier, that's more helpful. Like with you, you know, it's like, you can see what, you know, what's going to make your money, but there's a lot of stuff out there too, that, you know, doesn't go on YouTube and, you know, commercial videos and different things that, you know, obviously everything almost now goes on video, but you know, there's video work out there that you don't know about, but, um, but you know, you have to, you know, that, that college path isn't always, productive um mm -hmm. depending and we'll see how it plays out for overton i mean i'm sure that he'll be um i'm sure that he'll be successful he's too talent too talented to not be oh, but for sure. yeah. but um you know is it worth doing something different and just start shooting you know making the local connections and you mm -hmm. know you know getting your friends to go fund you and shoot something and then getting noticed or, you know, is it, is it a kale philosophy versus an Overton philosophy, you know, like what, Interesting, yeah. or is it Whitney, you know, but it's, it's different right. for each people. Right. Like, Everybody's like, kind of doing it different. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And like, we'll know. see who succeeds. <laughs> well, and I think Whitney had, you know, has, is the most, normal path you know it's like i go yeah, to champlain sure. i mean shot go a ton to for us go to champlain hone whatever you need to you know go to go go into someplace local for advertising you're filming and, yeah, and that works DT, right. that works for him you know that probably wouldn't work for kale yeah, you know so sure, it's like right. it doesn't that may fit you that may fit him that may not fit somebody else so it's really interesting time to judge that and at least now that i'm older I get to see these kids go through. Like when I was younger teaching, I had an idea. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I'm like, I just got out of college. I don't know what to tell you. You know, I, I'm 26 years old and you're telling me like, well, what should my kid do to get to here to here? I'm like, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have zero idea how your kid's going to be, you know, a movie star or how you're, you know, like, it, right, yeah. and so at least now at 45, I can, you know, I've seen kids go through and I've seen kids see, be successful and I, you know, I, I've, I've seen what works and what kind of is a slower path or not so i don't know it's 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 better now yeah it makes me less anxious that's good (laughs) (laughs) yeah well hey man this was awesome yeah yeah. thank you two hours and 10 minutes (laughs) can you believe that no (laughs) two hours and killer conversation Yeah. yeah that was awesome i yeah, Andy and I always talk after the podcast. We're like, man, that 20-minute mark, I thought we were never going to get yeah, anywhere. Yeah, the first <laughs> 10 minutes go slow, but then... <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, appreciate you. Oh, no problem. I appreciate you, what you did for me in high school. Awesome. Um, Thank you. And just giving me something that I actually truly did enjoy in high school because uh, the rest of it was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I'll tell Norris that. Yeah, let, let Norris know. I liked him, but I hated his class. No. <laughs> anyway, thank you, man. Oh, I appreciate no this. Thank you, guys. See you.